I don't know, I, I fucking love it, okay? I, I love life. Me, the great JSC, I love life. And I am valiantly <laughs> declaring my love for it right now. I love life. I love existence. I love beauty. I love femininity. There's so many things I love. There's so many things to do. I can't understand how anyone would not want to, who's not excited right now, just to simply exist, right? And maybe that sounds so delusionally naive and optimistic and idiotic. I don't care. People should be selfish, okay? People should be okay with inequality. People should be determined to give themselves their own life, the, the thing that's most important to you, full consideration, attention, and love it deserves. <laughs> I'm grateful for all the things that have been going on with me. And that, that is not just a miracle that didn't just happen, that happened out of my own effort, out of my own mind, and so can you. Okay, I don't want to sound like a motivational speaker, but that's just the reality of the situation, right? Bonjour, bitches. Welcome to a new episode of Croissant Hours. I'm your host, Shuspi Croissant. And today, uh, it's funny day. <laughs> at least at the time of this recording, it's uh, your uh, haha funny day. Uh, haha, definitely thing that happened. It wasn't rigged by the government day. Um, <laughs> hello, uh, it's been two weeks. Um, I I wanted to do this earlier, uh, but as I said in the previous episode, I was I was gonna finish Atlas Shrugged, and now I finally have, and I can finally talk about it in its full extent, and not just in you know scattered pieces. Um, yes, and I'm very happy about it. I think it's uh, amazing. I think it's my favorite novel now, my just uh, fictional novel. Uh, I mean, can a novel be non-fictional? I, I suppose it can, but you know what I mean. Um, it's my favorite novel now. It's uh, so impeccably impeccably written and so um, so to my liking and so to my uh, view of the world. There are certain things I maybe disagree with, uh, as with any piece, any great work. If you fully agree with a piece of art, I, I or fully identify with a certain belief structure i find it to be flawed because i think every any beliefs well anyway we'll get into it. it's a little complicated but uh, we'll get into that um so anyway hello to all my new croissants here uh that came from the slander videos this is more of a serious siri um where i weekly or bi-weekly have basically have a therapy session <laughs> as i call it or you just listen to me uh i try to make it as informative as i can um but if i sometimes ramble off you have to just deal with that okay um <laughs> you're here for me i i suppose but i try to entertain people and try to people give you know educate the people the masses uh, i think that's uh, interesting and i would love to hear um what people think of this uh last episode actually did pretty well uh in comparison to others like i, I see it keeps increasing in viewership first first episodes were like maybe 30 people and now it's like 200 250 people uh to all those people that watch this consistently and like it hello uh thank you for uh listening to it i know i'm the most charming interesting man ever so obviously <laughs> you're here for that um yeah hello and uh, nice to for, to all the new people listening to this you know uh well, hello again. This is uh, basically my weekly show, and uh, it's just my therapy, okay? Um, to, also, to the new people on the Discord, hi, welcome. Uh, it's uh, join it now, by the way. Uh, Tess, well, we are, it's, it's, it's rising, but people are awfully quiet, and I think that's because they don't have uh, like a central belief structure or a central goal when they're joining me and so it's kind of disjointed at the moment and i think that's also due to my absence because i think the last time i did a public like discord call with people is like weeks ago maybe two months ago i, I usually do private calls now 
so uh, that's probably a reason um, but I I'm gonna get you y'all active on there uh, let me see uh, yeah also I had to add some rules because <laughs> uh, let's just say that some people uh, are not uh, civilly um, what is it they're not civil let's put it that way uh, as I put it some people are just blind savages I don't know if I said that but kind of just savages that can't have like a, a normal sense of rationality um, <laughs> to operate with in a, in a social group and, and will you know spew out the, spew out the n-word like 10 times uh, when they join the server so I had to make some very basic rules again prefacing here uh, I don't actually give a shit about rules most of the time I really don't um, but uh, as it, that's just unfortunate nature of reality that um, basically <laughs> some people can't uh, can't be in a discord or whatever the hell uh, without rules being laid out for them, especially SPs, right? Um, anyway, that's a thing. Uh, let me see. Mm. Uh, the rules. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, working on a website. Uh, I'm gonna start it very soon. A project for that. Uh, I got a this, this dude on my Discord. He, he's gonna code the probably code the whole thing. And uh, it's gonna be. I love. I hope it's gonna be good. And when it's out, I'm gonna you know pluck the shit out of it and uh, let people. Actually, I, I would prefer people to, to go my website and you know start consuming content there or buy my products there because that will actually directly support me instead of that going through. <laughs> an indirectly you know indirect youtube payment system system that still doesn't want to fucking pay me it's like come on youtube I've, I've given you like what is it maybe like 15 15 000 watch hours right and, and like literally millions of views or millions or like one and a half million views or something now right just give me my fucking payment okay <laughs> it's like <laughs> the dividend the dividends or is that the right word like the, the there needs to be an equilibrium here okay it's like it's so imbalanced right now but i suppose i'm uh i'll get my i get my repayment very soon omar uh, retribution very soon right um let me see oh yeah other yeah and i'm, I'm working on other videos because that kind of interrelate interrelates or relates um that uh I, I have to make original content for youtube to monetize me so i'm gonna make probably some sh shorter like uh anecdotal type videos or like you know story i don't i hate the term story time it's just a story right uh not, not, not like you know jaded animations not the hate on her but like you know what i mean just very basic like oh my god this one time i fell on my chin like whoa i know crazy right um but but just uh for some people have just been asking me certain things and i want to make like you know short videos about them like five minutes long maybe 10 minutes 15 minutes max uh that i actually can watch instead of just watching these hour-long videos every time right or two hour long i don't know how long this one is gonna be probably it's probably gonna to be pretty long now that I think about it because I have a lot to talk about and it's also a pretty difficult subject matter like I'm going to talk about uh, objectivism and kind of religion and how to interplay and kind of which path I'm going to take in terms of expanding my knowledge on it so it's, it's pretty pretty difficult topic especially well I'm going to talk about Atlas Shrugged very soon and uh, it's going to be really interesting so stick around um let me see uh oh yeah I'm I'm let me see. Oh, yeah, I also have plans for the Discord to improve it and, you know, get more people to server boost and all that shit, you know, get more mods and all that crap. Um, and also, a thing I've announced in the Discord, uh, I don't know if I've publicly announced this on my on YouTube or whatever. I need another platform, by the way. Like, I, I kind of get... I'm kind of interlocked with YouTube and Discord mostly. And if they shut me down for whatever reason, uh, it's all gone. Uh, so I don't want that. I want my own, you know, 
individual we could we could talk about that more later but i want, want my own individual you know place uh or property i want property um <laughs> all the commies are like shaking their boots right now anyway uh let me see oh i'm all so I'm, I'm stopping like free typing very soon uh as like there there are a lot of people joining discord right now and a lot of people have been asking me and kind of uh I've been getting, I've been doing it for free for like maybe a year now, uh, and it's fu it's fun. I, I really love doing it, but um, I will stop doing it, like doing it for free, maybe for some friends or like people I really like. I know that's biased, but it's it's my service, okay? I can do whatever the fuck I want with it. Um, but uh, for people that are just like, hey, can you type me and just you know give me an hour or two of your time, maybe uh, for nothing in return? Uh, well, nothing. I still like doing it, but you know what I mean, right? Uh, I'm kind of done doing that. Uh, it's gonna be a service now. It's gonna be paid. Um, it's not gonna be that expensive. Maybe later I'll crank the price up if it, my time becomes even more important. Um, and also, I'm gonna add like an, a coaching uh, service because a lot of the time I give like free diet advice or health advice or relationship advice right now or philosophical, psychological advice. And it's, you know, it's pretty valuable information. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, right? And uh, to give that away for free all the time, like, yeah, sure. Uh, you could say it's, well, it's not altruism because I like doing it because uh, altruism is uh, a terrible evil as we're gonna discuss very soon. Um, but, you know, it, it's more, how to put this, I recognize the value that I'm giving and I'm not just going to give it away for free forever because we live in a world, we live in a society uh, <laughs> where, you know, basically money is needed and that's just a plain fact, right? Um, and I have certain plans and ideals I want to accomplish and I can't get my personal fortune without, you know, and with giving everything away for free. That's uh, it's going to be a hard one. It's going to be a toughie. Um, anyway. Onto the main subject of this video, which is Atlas Shrugged, and my God, um, like I, I can't, I can't. What is it? Overemphasize this uh, enough? Like this, this book is amazing. If you haven't read it yet, I'm gonna sell the shit out of it for you right now. I, I didn't even realize it when I was talking to other people about this, like how much I was selling it, uh, because I, I'm just talking about how much I fucking love it, uh, and I've convinced, like I don't know convinced just conveyed my love but indirectly people got convinced quote-unquote to uh aka to actually make the voluntary choice to read it as well um yeah so that's great because the more pe i think well, everybody should read this book uh and I, maybe i don't know if i often say that hopefully i don't because it kind of devalues the statement um but yeah i think everybody should read it it's such a like essential fundamental what's the word self-evident uh philosophy and story you should understand and the, the philosophical philosophical points that are made um i think everybody should at least experience right even if you disagree with it fully i think you should have that perspective in your life right um because sure I, I also want to have the other side of it which we'll get into and i don't know if it's necessarily religion by the way um but anyway um to summarize kind of uh what i got out of it is um Atlas Shrugged, I'm going to spoil it, by the way, so spoiler alert to all the people that still want to read it. Here's your warning. I'm going to count down three, two, one. Okay, spoiler territory from here. Um, just everything about it, like the John Galt speech, the the world, like the grand scale of the narrative, the, the almost like the, also the gender dynamics. If you know that it wasn't like a focus, but just how it's indirectly explained or... Um, describe the world i don't know I, I just fucking love it right it seems like a world that's actually like 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 in a joke called speech it's a world that's real it exists it's yours right it can actually exist there's this world of uh innovation this world of um 
uh, well, objective reality, right? Um, but to explain it a little bit to don't, people that don't know anything about Atlas Shrugged, um, it's basically um, about this world. Uh, it's kind of it's set in America, like I, I suppose around the time when Ayn Rand wrote it. Um, and it's around the 1950s, I guess, 1960s. Uh, no, probably not 1960s, but 1950s, around that period. Um, uh, but then in a sort, sort of like alternate future right or alternate timeline uh where there are like certain innovations that are different so like you still have telephones and all that but there's not there's no like you know uh what's what's the word uh like spaceships and all sci-fi bullshit like that it's more like it's a it's a very uh, well as she calls it and i really like how ayn rand calls it it's uh, i think it's called a uh, romantic realism where it's a real world uh but it's kind of romanticized and a little uh, skewed like it's still like these things that, that she describes in, the, in in her book are definitely possible they're not impossible to do or to accomplish uh, but they're just uh, not actually real in the sense that it's all yeah it's fiction like Hank Reardon and Dagny Taggart and uh, John Galt they don't actually exist um literally right they don't but they exist as an uh, as an archetype in, in, in they can exist inside our actual objective reality right and that's that's i don't know i think that's like the uh, i think uh she, she describes it as her motive ayn rand's motive for for writing mostly was for she, i think i said a primary reason she said was that uh well just for the spectacle and enjoyment right that's her primary reason so i think that's a very simple reason but but her like secondary reason or uh side effect is to make people realize and that's for i guess her value of art is that um seeing that uh seeing a vision of what the world can be and like you know jordan peterson also kind of talks about i, I also always have to mention jordan peterson because then i could I, I could do the voice right he's like well you know when you look at a great painting from a classical era um you you see something resembling the divine it's that perfect balance between uh, what is real and uh, what we can still accomplish um, and that's beautiful, man. That's pure meaning right there. Um, that's I, I kind of do the, <laughs> the, the more stressful young Dr. Peterson, but whatever. Um, anyway, um, that that's what kind of her purpose in that as well, or in a, in a parallel, I suppose, where um, in the book, she's describing all these people like... Um, like Hank Reardon, John Galt, all those people, right? And I have the book right here, by the way. Um, this is going to be a very literature-based <laughs> episode, by the way. Um, she, she, she says, uh, let me see. Um, let me see. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I trust that no one will tell me that men such I write about uh, don't exist. Uh, this... That is, this book has been written and published. It uh, is my proof. Oh, that this that this book has been written and published is my proof that they do. So that's just in the, in the about the author section at the end. Um, it, she really tries to convey that yes, this is a vision of what men could be. The industrialist uh, men they could actually exist in this planet on this planet, right? Um, and that's and that's beautiful. I find it's, it's not just oh uh, well in just in a hypothetical utopia because it's not really a utopia. It's actually very if you just like skew a couple things in, a, in the government and just the philosophical mindset of the people um, more towards this direction you can actually have a very prosperous happy society um and you can call it utopian but i don't know i find utopian usually to be you know delusional um but this is more like i guess you can give the parallel uh, society argument or whatever parallel future arguments anyway to actually give you a bit of a <laughs> to inform you about the plot it's basically about um yeah this world um this parallel future world where 
uh, basically, uh, uh, right off the bat, you, you, you know, the, the story starts with the question of, you know, who's John Galt? Um, and it's just this this homeless person that says it, which kind of sets the tone, like, already perfectly. I think it's such a brilliant way to start the book. Because uh, uh, without realizing it, the book is kind of starts just with the que- the philosophical question, uh, which would actually, you know, the, the, the sentence, who's John Galt, um, kind of can be interpreted in many ways, right? But it's, it's kind of the... Uh, for Ayn Rand, it was kind of the question. Um, well, in the, in the book, the first time they explain it is, oh well, uh, with who's John Galt, they basically mean uh, don't ask questions you don't know the answer to. That, that I thought that was the definition of it, right? Then it was more like, um, oh, people who say who's John Galt are kind of despairing and are just uh, again are just saying that because they don't know the answer to their questions and they don't want to think, right? I was like, okay, this is expanding. Uh, then it was more like, um, yeah, who is actually John Galt? Who's actually this physical figure, right? Uh, that may does he actually exist? Uh, and then you know, certain characters actually know he exists, of course. Um, then later, uh, you know, in the John Galt speech, because he's actually real, uh, believe it or not, you know, spoilers. Um, you, he actually explains who John Galt is and who's John Galt. The question, who's John Galt, is really what is a man? Like, what is an ideal man? What is what should an ideal man be? Like, who is the who who is the ideal man? That's actually the the, the central question of of the book, right? What what should a man be? What should um and and how does that translate? How does that look like? And that that is you know that is John Galt. Like, John Galt is the epitome uh, or the translation of the ideal man, right? Uh, which is there's a funny parallel with that, but I will get into that. But basically, um, that is a central question, right? And then, okay, then it opens with that. And then you are, I wouldn't say thrown in, you're just introduced into this world, um, like in New York, basically, uh, with Eddie Whalers, who's going through it. And he arrives at the office and basically uh, right off the, right off the Right off the bat, you notice how basically incompetent uh, people are, and it just gets worse and worse and worse throughout the novel. Like uh, people keep just throwing their hands up and saying, "Well, who am I to know? Who am I to think? Who am I to take responsibility?" Nobody wants to take responsibility. Nobody, nobody wants to take action. Nobody wants to do uh, to just do anything. Right? Nobody's competent. There are no. There basically there's a crisis of the man of the mind, as, as Ayn Rand puts it. Right? And. Um, more and more people are just like I said. They, they don't take responsibility, and uh, everything gets worse and worse and worse. Like uh, you know, uh, crashes happened. Uh, like train crashes happened, and uh, what is it like? Uh, pe- people keep disappearing, right? There's also like all these people disappearing off the face of the earth, and people don't know what's happening. And um, then then you have this the main character Dagny Taggart, who was an ETJ by the way, who tries to single handedly basically save her railroad, right? Um, and there, it's not only about that, because well, when people explained what Adler Shrugged was, they were like, oh, well, Adler Shrugged is kind of just a, uh, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's not really a story. It's more like a philosophical piece. I'm like, no, it isn't. It's actually a story. If you overlook the, like, there's actually a lot of story and a lot of uh, beautiful descriptions in, in this book, right? Um, the philosophy is intertwined in there. And I think that's very, but I find that proper writers always intertwine that into their work, right? Uh, their, their philosophy or central questions. I think the best writers do that. I mean, Russian writers do that. I guess generally Russian writers, because she's technically Russian. Um, maybe I have a preference for Russian writers. I don't know. Um, I guess their uh, suffering in life uh, enables them, or not enables, uh, causes them to have more of a, you know, outspoken or a certain uh, style of writing. I wouldn't know. But basically, Tengi Taggart, uh, she tries to 
uh, basically save her railroad. And then you have a brother who's like incompetent. And you have like, uh, what is it, Wesley Mooch. And you know, all these, basically you have like intellectuals and you have basically NFs and you have um, scientists that are basically going against science, which is, you know, ironic, of course. Mm. And there are certain in industrialists like Dagny Taggart and Hank Reardon who has invented a new form of metal. And uh, yeah, they basically, two of them for like one third of the book try to just fight against, um, well, fight against, they try to, despite the odds, try to ma make the country run again, basically the motor of the country run, as they call it, right? Uh, and, and well, Dagny does that through uh, getting the John Gold line, right? As a, a sort of like spite against this John Gold figure, uh, this destruct destruction figure. And she actually gets it, but then, you know, it gets destroyed over time and more and more people uh, go away. And then um, in the second part, uh, well, the second part is really where the struggle, uh, I think it's called either or, uh, that's the second part, I think, where that, that's actually where, um, you know, a lot of more of the struggle comes in. Like basically more things gets taken away, Dagny struggles more, and it kind of accumulates. And I love the, the build up to it. Like, like Ayn Rand has such a, such a masterful uh, understanding of pacing and and climaxes and spectacle. I love the spectacle. It's so dramatic. I love it. Um, and it, and it culminates in the in the second part where basically Dagny crashes uh, into uh, the valley, and well, you kind of presume she's probably dead by now. Then you and then you go to the third part and like on the first page it's like hey there's john gold right in front of you hey how are you doing and it's like what the fuck that's amazing um <laughs> and uh he's he's kind of like everything um you you imagine him to be right tall uh what is it um what is it uh hazel hair was it hazel uh Chestnut, chestnut hair, right? Uh, green eyes, you know, very uh, tout and and, and a solemn face. Um, strong, well, slender body. She doesn't say strong, but just slender body. All, all MJ characters that are like superior and all that are always slender, not necessarily buff, right? And then she takes takes her to Atlantis. And there was like the part, um, like you can see on the the cover of the, how you call it? Not the... Uh, Basically, where you hold the pages, I don't know how to call it. Um, not, not on the cover side, the left cover side, right? But uh, you know what I mean. Basically, um, <laughs> you can see kind of where I lingered the most, or st because like the the page is more dirty. I know it sounds weird. I don't have like extremely dirty hands, but they just got more dirty. Okay, but the the part where she where she arrives in Atlantis or John, uh, Gold's Gulch, whatever, uh, basically the valley where all these industrialists have been going on to all these competent men have going on to. i went through that so quickly because i was enjoying it so much um i, I went for like I've, i went yeah just amazing but right after that like almost right after like maybe 100 pages later um john gold's speech actually comes in and um that's probably one of the best literature i've re i've read in a while like it's amazing uh, i recommend anyone if you don't want to read atlas shrugged um you well you kind of need the context of the story kind of um but say you want to skip the context you're going to be a little more confused but everybody should read the john gold speech once in their life it's amazing it's probably well it's more of a, it's more of an essay at this point right but it's still in a fictional context um but it's amazing and i had to it were the speech is the speech is like 60 pages long right but i basically have to had to reread uh every paragraph like three times so it was more like 180 pages that i was going through so i was uh, i remember i was telling people like yeah, i'll finish it i'll finish it but i was i was just so um 
I really had to think about every sentence, or, or not sentence, but like paragraph or sentence, I had to really think about it because some of them were so content-based, right? Because I find that um, NP writers a lot, a lot of the time, they write more in terms of content, right? But but uh, NJ writers, I find, uh, they really write in terms of, uh, what is it? Well, it's not right in content. I just mean, uh, yeah, it's more quality, right? There's more intent in the sentences. Like for, for ITPs, for example, they will write just some word diary, like Stephen King, for example. It's like, oh, I, I write like six pages a day, bro. And it's it's like, yeah, but it's it's just a bunch of, you know, it's just a bunch of word diary. It's not actually something interesting and, and, and something you thought about and struggled with to actually write down, right? I think it's, uh, it took 13 years to write Adler Shrugged and, um, or for another book that I'm going to read, uh, probably, well, not very soon, but I'm going to read it, uh, cause I'm going to start with another writer. We'll get into that. Um, he, he also, uh, when he was writing certain books, it took him also like, you know, eight years or, uh, six years or two years to write it, uh, in terms of, also, just uh, the experience you have to have, and uh, uh, how do you put this? The intellectual rigor, right? It's it's like a, the, the debate you have to, you know, as a writer, you have to have and to develop these ideas and fully flesh them out and um, perfect them, right? Not just like, oh, I want to get like as many words out as I can and you know, give a rough de rough description of uh, like just just low grade horror like Stephen King does. I don't hate Stephen King, but you know what I mean, right? If if you. I don't know. I, I've not read a lot of Stephen King, but it's it's kind of like some of his like a lot of his novels are just forgettable. He just cranks out so many um, that's you know he has has a couple classic classics between there, uh, but he just cranks out so many. Like I think many of them are just forgettable. So it's like oh, scary thing happens, and like I don't know something semi taboo happens, and then you know he can express his fi demon or whatever. It's like yeah, okay, cool, bro. But it's uh, you know what I mean. It's nothing special to me. Um, it's not like actually something that I think about. I'm like whoa. Uh, uh, this is like because this it really impacted my view on life. Uh, Atlas shrugged, that is Atlas shrugged. So uh, somebody asked us, no, no, it's not Apple shrugged. It's Atlas, you know, the the Greek figure, uh, and on shrug, like you know, the motion of shrugging. Um, I thought it was pretty uh, pretty famous book, but apparently I have to explain that. Um, <laughs> I'll leave a link in the description, or uh, in the description I'll explain what we're talking about today, as I usually do. I don't know if I, anyone actually watches that, but whatever, I do do it anyway, just with the timestamps. I mean, I know uh, a certain uh, INFP lady that may be listening to it right now. Uh, really appreciate those. Uh, appreciate those. Um, anyway, so yeah, these people struggle, and then you have this little group, you know, Galt's little gang or whatever. It's not really a gang because they're not—they're all individual, right? That basically show her uh, after basically a lot of struggle against these intellectuals uh, how. Uh, the world can look like, which is uh, just a very, um, you can't really put it on a political compass, right? Because that's what a lot of people are trying to do. It's like, oh, is it conservative? Is it is it more uh, libertarian? But it's, 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 I don't know, it's so libertarian, it kind of just falls off uh, the political spectrum, right? Because it doesn't really have to do anything with, with politics. Um, and I'll try, to, this is my kind of my interpretation of what objectivism is, because everybody everybody jokes about with, with Ayn Rand, like, oh, well, uh, really, are you a true objectivist? And define her philosophy then for me. And uh, if somebody in the comments can, uh, you know, um, correct me or something or elaborate, uh, that's cool. I really like talking about this. So uh, if you could correct me or improve the statement. I mean, it's been a couple days since I've finished it, and I probably can't get it perfectly right, but that's fine. So objectivism uh, stems from a fundamental like metaphysical principle that the the exist existence exists right so you, you perceive reality right you or you perceive with your senses something but you can only define that sense right 
uh, or identify anything by using your reason. So, like, my senses are just picking up things, right? Um, but for me to differentiate things, like, if I look at, you know, if I look at a table, let's just give a simple example. You know, if I look at a table, like, my senses will just see that, right? But my, my senses are not telling me that's a table. Uh, that's me identifying the individual parts. It's me identifying the material, the color, and uh, all that together will give it a certain identity. So you... Uh, she basically presumes that uh, you know perception is just a thing, but you actually using that perception for, towards something, that's your reason, that's your brain working, right? That's your mind working. Uh, and you identifying it and integrating it, that's all your mind working. So um, the only, but she basically says that, well, the only person that doesn't really do that is like an infant, right? Because an infant sees just a world in, in blur, right? It doesn't really, you know, nothing really has, they can't identify anything, they're not conscious yet. So uh, they'll see like an object, but it's, uh, they won't see it as an individual object. They'll just see it as, oh, well, my perception right now is uh, observing this thing, um, but they can't attach any meaning to it. So it's just all a big blur of movement, right? Um, but what she argues is that, well, for you, for example, if you, uh, I, 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 in my own example, I thought like, because uh, some people say, well, there's nothing but change, right? There's nothing but movement between objects, which she heavily, uh, or, well, Gold says, but it's, you know, it's Iron Rat. It's kind of when when the speech starts with, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is John Gold speaking and all that. Um, that's actually just Ayn Rand saying like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna explain to you guys what objectivism is. Sit down, okay? Um, <laughs> um, she basically says that in order, uh, th that's not true, because for you to uh, observe that uh, relative movement, you still have to identify something, right? So uh, in my example, I, I imagined like two planets, for example, that uh, attracted each other. And like, I don't know, more uh, social constructivists or something will say, oh, well, it's just uh, the gravity is the only thing at play. But it's like, no, that, that gravity can exist if there are if there weren't two objects or mo more, obje more objects than two. Uh, to begin with so your your identification of objects in the first place uh, has to be paramount or has to be uh, certain first before you can observe uh, any relation to it right uh, if you want to or i don't know what she exactly gave as an example but that's kind of what it, what it meant right where um, the effects that happen between objects uh, requires you to still identify the objects you can't negate that um which i thought that was just that's just one principle of it down right uh so that was the metaphysics i think the next thing was like um the morality and her mor morality is basically um well you should <laughs> this is me simplifying it a bit but basically virtues should exist and uh vices and weakness should not be tolerated right of and, and and people say well you know weakness should be accepted but it's more like this so as i perceive it so um virtue are just things that uh a human requires in order to live i'm, I'm probably not phrasing it correctly here but basically she, she defines it as roughly um that in order for you to be virtuous is it is basically you to love life or to want to keep existing right as a person uh, that is what it need, what it, what is required of you in order uh, to live so the a proper virtuous person has the morality of life so uh, he seeks for anything uh, basically ha <laughs> how do you put this you he can identify things right as we discussed so because existence exists um, he can identify things in his life, and then he can attach a certain value or importance uh, towards the, the things in his life. And then he will uh, order them correctly into his individual choice, right? That's also a big part of uh, objectivism, individual choice, like that uh, your mind is a, a volatile, you're a volatile creature, right? In terms of 
of volatile, volatile. I don't know what the word exactly was. Basically, you're voluntary in your, uh, in your well, you're, you're, you, you have choice, right? That's what she's basically implying, um, what she's, she's stating. Um, and with that choice, uh, you have a certain, well, so things you value more and things you value less. And uh, if you strive to, I think it was, you identify the things that keep you alive or the things that are good, basically, and that will, uh, that you want to maintain, right? To identify the things that are valuable. Uh, th those are things that are valuable, right? Um, yeah, so the things that keeps you alive and that you want to maintain, I think it was roughly, uh, and that those are um, those are values, right? Those things and your action towards accomplishing it, those are virtues, right? And I'm I, I'm probably not explaining it very correctly because it's 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 well, it's three hours in in in, in book time uh, for, to explain it fully, and I probably don't have it like to the dots right now because I'm still thinking about it, but. Uh, with that, right, um, you have certain virtues, and you should be allowed to uh, practice those virtues in order to get your purpose, which is individual, um, your purpose, which and your highest purpose should be for you to uh, strive for your happiness, right? Um, and then, therefore, you should be allowed to um, exempt, no, not exempt, uh, express or to act upon your virtues, which also means to have property, right? To have basically your mind translate into action. Those action will give you um, tangible, uh, real things that will ensure your survival. So like, you know, like money, like uh, a house, like food, you will own that. And if you own that, it will um, ensure your survival because now your mind, because you're free in your mind, you're free in your, um, in your reality, right? Because reality is real. So um, in comes the political aspect of it, because I've, I've probably skipped a part, but there are four parts to it. I think it was metaphysics, uh, metaphysics, metaphysics, something else, something else, and then politics, right? Um, but uh, what's the next part? Yeah, so, so after that, we have capitalism, right? Where it's basically through capitalism, um, that's the only like system, political system, like very uh, laissez-faire um, capitalism, where we just, uh, the government and the uh, Economics have no interference, right? It's all um, separate from each other. So the, the government has no hands into any taxes that shouldn't exist. Um, there shouldn't be a just any hand. No welfare. Uh, I fucking hate welfare. Uh, the, the weakness should not be accepted. Uh, and that's not, that's not to say people that are weak should be fucking murdered off. No, 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 not at all. Uh, it's actually let those people fight for themselves. Uh, or right, and, and, and I'm gonna kind of get into the criticisms of that, but. Uh, basically, the, the the gifted and the competent should be allowed to thrive and have their profits and have their excess because it's their right, right? It's their right as nature, right of life to do so, as is, as is for any individual. Uh, and um, yeah, they should be allowed to thrive and basically uh, let them uh, increase the livelihood of all the people below, right? Uh, and I've, I thought I'm explaining it probably a little poorly, uh, but the, the nice thing about the whole objectivism philosophy is it's not really trying to convince you. It's just kind of so self-evident. You you can't help but, at least for me, uh, you can't help but identify with it um, or or understand it, right? Because I, I already had ideas like this, uh, not like, oh, I'm, I'm you know, I'm so fucking smart. Like, I, I know everything that every writer ever, no, no, no. Um, it's just, for example, I, I was reminded when I read it about my uh, Snacking New York video, there was a certain part where I said, um, Caden doesn't, um, what is it? Caden doesn't want to live, he just doesn't want to die, right? Uh, and that's that's kind of 
also a part of it, like the morality of life and the uh, morality of death, right? Where a lot of people, um, they don't actually want to live. Uh, they're just so afraid of death or they're so, um, or so, some of them even want death. They want misery. Uh, and those people should not be allowed. Well, that's the second part where, where you know, Iron Man goes against. Um, but some people have that mor uh, morality where they, they don't um, they expect people to provide for them. Why? Um, because it's your moral duty, because of the people. And then when you ask them, okay, wh what is the people? Why should I do that? Then they say, well, I need it. It's like, okay, so I should give you money so you're happy. Um, but if I have it, uh, it's evil. So how is how is that not contradictory? So I'm evil if I'm filthy rich, but if I give you all my money or part of my money, which will make you richer, um, so the, the the property of money is apparently bad when I have it and, and also in a, in a large quantity, but when you have it or steal more and more of it or privatize or uh, nationalize my company, for example, that is good somehow. Like somehow now, now the property of money is good in your hands by your, by force. How does that make sense? You're contradicting yourself, right? Uh, I mean, it was like it reminded me kind of of that Futurama thing. It's like, or I don't know if it was Futurama. It's like, oh, we'll steal, we'll steal all the money from the from the rich and give it to the poor, and then after a couple of years, the rich should give the money again to those new poor that were first rich, basically. And it's like, yeah, it's just the stupidity of communism and collectivism, right? Um, but uh, that was part of it, right? And, and well, the, the a large criticism of her is like force and the, the people that embrace the morality of death, which also includes the celebration of vices, right? It's like, I'm lazy and now you should give me something. I don't produce anything, but the, the producer should produce for the non-producer, right? And um, you are obligated by it, by the state. And if you don't do it, uh, we'll just force you to do it, right? And um, Ayn Rand find this like, possibly the worst evil that exists. Um, and also, she find, for example, she also finds uh, the man without a purpose to be the most depraved man. Well, she has many different, well, she has varying definitions of that, but mostly a man without purpose or a man that doesn't do work is, in her opinion, like, or in her view, like the most depraved and uh, evil man, right? Or, well, actually in her, the, the, the most unforgivable man for her is the man that can actually think, but does not. Right, and chooses not to. Uh, and these people exist, right? She gives an example of intellectuals that do this, uh, the scientists especially that do this. Like you are able to give logical, uh, you can you can actually use logic. You know that science is a thing. You know that um, objective reality exists. Yet you still uh, negate it and uh, lie to yourself, right? She finds this the most unforgivable man, right? Because especially of a great mind, like she's basically uh, imagine like a John Gold, but the John Gold with those capabilities and all that says, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to deny reality, you know? Um, that in her or in her view is like the most, um, the most evil man and unforgivable man, right? Which in the books takes the form of uh, Dr. Ferris, right? Uh, do I say that correctly? Or Dr. Standler, I think. Uh, all these fucking names. There, there, there's so many characters. That's also a thing I love about the book. There's so many characters, but it never feels like, well, maybe a little for me because I have shit memory, but it uh, never feels, feels confusing, right? It just feels like even... Um, how to put this? You know, because also in a general story structure, like a lot of books, you know, they just go, oh, uh, you know, exposition, uh, rising action, you know, uh, climax, falling action, resolution, you know, the standard uh, plot uh, structure. And she doesn't really do that. And I really like it because then, then I think the best books um, almost are historical, right? In that not only historical, but it's, they're historical with some philosophy too. Maybe I'm just describing Russian books um, in general. Uh, but when I, re when I read it, it's like it, it almost felt like, again, an alternative 
like history or origin of the future um that, that's gonna happen still um and, and it never felt like oh okay well obviously this is the climax and obviously it's gonna end here yeah sure the, there's right there's tension that builds of course i mean you gotta have a little bit of tension but uh it how to how to explain this um it didn't feel predictable in that sense, right? Because, you know, if you understand basic story structure, you can get very bored when reading or watching movies because I've seen my movies and I'm going to talk more about like movie reviews and all that, but you kind of expect certain things. In this book, I really didn't. Um, every like chapter or every part could be different. Like when actually the John Galt speech, I knew the John Galt speech was going to come uh, at some point, but um, it was still unexpected when it happened, right? Because um, I was like, oh, how, how is it going to do the John Galt? How is it going to do the speech? Is it going to stand like on a podium or something? Like I just talk to the people or like something like that but it's like no they just hijack a radio program that's that's been hyped up by mr thompson which is like the i guess president vice president something like that um prime minister uh and and they just hijack that somehow uh, when everybody's listening and uh, then everybody here hears a speech everybody on, on the in the country and it's just such a clever way and i didn't see I, even though i knew it was coming i didn't see it coming and and i don't know it just speaks to the uh how good the story is in my opinion it's, it's not a flawless story or something but it's just my favorite in the way it, it's the world that it describes right it's not like you know uh it's the best well i think actually the romance is pretty great uh some people like critique it or make fun of it like oh this is like an iron Man, uh sex scene i don't have that scene below or like clip but uh and also that people people critique it for having plot holes uh i really i didn't find a lot of plot holes in this book um Maybe some things you find questionable, but I, not really plot holes. I think it was pretty watertight. Like somebody critiqued like, oh, why would a man like destroy his own oil wells? I was like, have you read the book? Like he, he rather lets these looters like take his uh, company and, uh, and all, all that he owns uh, rather than uh, then you know and destroy it basically rather than to keep working for them as a slave like did you read the book it's like why would he destroy it it's like he destroys it because he doesn't care anymore right and that's what he says i i'm leaving it as i found it uh you know uh, uh, uh wyatt i think he's called i i thought it was what and it sounded better but it's wyatt apparently uh, stupid me i guess um anyway yeah it's really good um and it just has a lot of self-evident logic, I find, uh, which is really hard to deny. Like, Miss Rand is a real... I'd explain this. Like, she's a real ferocious intellectual uh, to listen to. I, I don't find her harsh, by the way. Maybe it's just me being a fellow INTJ. Uh, but even some, sometimes with fellow INTJs, I get a little, uh, you know, iffy. Like, okay, bro, that's really iffy trickster. But she is so uh, well-defined in her, in her morality, in her idealism. And... There's nothing really you can damn her for. And that's that's kind of also funny because, you know, the characters in the book uh, do the same thing, right? Like John Galt, you can't really damn the man. Like, he's competent. He knows what to do. He's smart. He has a, a you know, a, a, what is it? An, an idealism or a morality made out of iron, made out of gold, I should actually say. You know, John Galt, haha, get it? I, I realized that later on. I was like, oh, John Galt, I get it now. Because uh, his hair glisters gold into the sun. Huh? Well, how smart I read. You're so clever. Uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, he just has a gold morality. And you can't really go against it. And that's why people hate him, right? Especially, uh, you know, uh, James Taggart. He's like, I, I want to see him suffer. All these people want to see uh, a competent man suffer. And that's that's part of their morality, right? And, and Galt completely understands this. He knows that their mor morality is like this. And even when they're, he's being tortured, he uh, allows them, the, gives them the solution to the problem, right? And um, 
in doing that, people just panic, right? They're like, oh my god, like, <laughs> they, they realize what kind of man they're dealing with. Like, this is not an evil man, this is actually a good man that will actually, even in the worst circumstance, will try to uh, make everything better. Not out of altruism, uh, but out of his own ins uh, out of his own self-interest, right? And it's out of that, such, such an amazing uh, figure, right, that uh, well, I personally also want to aspire to, right? <laughs> which is funny uh, I'll, I'll, I'll i'm gonna finish this a bit up and i'm gonna actually talk to another parallel which is interesting with this because miss rand uh, is a fierce atheist and she goes in uh, extensive detail how the mystics um ruin a lot in terms of your happiness in terms of your um what is it yeah, the, the, the mystics of muscle and the mystics of, uh, what is it, soul or whatever she calls it. Um, they basically tell you that, well, your life and your your body and your soul are different. Uh, and the one says it's all just instincts. The other say it's just your, you know, we should separate ourselves and go to heaven um, and, and all that crap. And uh, this is where um, the, the arguments are sound. But I don't think, I think uh, Ms. Rand is not necessarily critiquing... Uh, the critique of the religious belief or religious ideas or faith, as she calls it, really hates faith. Um, I don't think she's, I think she should be critiquing more the institutions and the people behind it instead of like actually the ideas of religion because, um, well, I guess we'll just get into it. Um, I find that, ironically enough, um, Objectivism and something like, uh, well, maybe I will change say religion, but for example, Christianity, because I I found a lot of parallels between them, are actually not that far like uh, separated if you uh, look at certain abstract parallels. For example, John Galt, hmm, maybe a book that's roughly twelve hundred pages long and and in uh, rough stories and a lot of uh, what is it? interactions between characters tries to describe uh, the ideal man and then at the around the end of the book um, that man comes to earth and describes exactly how men should live and then is tortured and almost uh, tortured and killed but actually almost killed in in this book uh, is is uh, punished for it and then comes back and and thrives uh, later and there is a um, <laughs> and there is a semi uh, prophecy at the end that will ensure a certain ideal future. Um, if, if if that rings any bells for you, I'm just describing Atlas Shrugged and the Bible at the same time. Um, there is a lot of parallels because John Gold is really just something like Jesus Christ, right? Like nobody really knows uh, this ideal, well, the ideal man. What's the perfect man? Well, Jesus Christ. Uh, is, is it ironic that they both have like almost similar names like G John Gold, Jesus Christ, like hello? Uh, I'm just saying, Miss Rand, you did make a bit of an oversight there. <laughs> Although you hate... Um, mysticism and religion so much you actually made your own version of a bible and your own jesus <laughs> and your own religion in a way right for your book and i know people will say well actually she didn't mean you know she didn't, she didn't attempt to do it in that way but um in in certain ways in rough strokes uh, a lot of things that the book talks about in terms of philosophy, in terms of what love is, in terms of what value is, corresponds, not entirely, because there are definitely things, the Bible is a lot, well, how do I put this? 
the Bible uh, definitely diverges in terms of plot and all that. But the, the, kind of the, again, the rough strokes kind of correspond, and I, I thought it was funny. Uh, and there's such opposing forces in a way, well, at least how we look at them now. But you know, actually, science and religion doesn't d differ all that much if you look um, more into it, right? Which brings me right to my next uh, revelation or my next desire, and that is to actually fully go into Dostoevsky because Dostoevsky. Uh, had this battle as well, right? He recognized recognized the validity and the value of of scientific and objective reality, right? And and uh, things that how people can thrive off it. On the other hand, he also recognizes uh, something within him still recognized a certain uh, cert a certain idealism, right? A certain um, how do you put it? A certain innocence or naivete. And uh, I think in the Brothers Kosomanov, uh, do I say it correctly? I don't know. Um, basically, it's, it's basically a fight in all his books, right? But between this uh, totally rational atheist and this, um, you know, this kind of naive, uh, faithful, you know, orthodox religious person. And um, he, he Dostoevsky himself, I, I read in the introduction, he struggled with this, right? Also through Jordan Peterson lectures, I know about this. Um, he struggled with this himself, right? And I kind of find myself in the same midst, uh, not, not to compare myself per, per se to the intellect of Dostoevsky. I mean, maybe, I don't fucking know. Uh, we'll see, I guess. Um, but he has, he has the, had the same struggle, right? Where he's like, <laughs> what is it? For, for me, it's the same, because I see the value in objectivism and also the thinking of Brothers Kosomatov. I don't know what the, I don't know what the name is, um, but basically, uh, there's, you know, uh, what is it, Inuitia? Um Basically, the rational brother, right? He he kind of wins the most arguments, uh, and um, the other the other brother basically being more faithful and orthodox. Um, he doesn't really win in in the arguments, but uh, in terms of like you know objective reality, uh, but some part of it he kind of wins in some way, right? I know winning isn't necessarily the end point, um, but th th I kind of feel the same way. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of torn in that sense, and I know, and, and that's so funny because you know a part of or objectivism philosophy with Ayn Rand is like, you can't have a compromise, right? You can't have evil and uh, there are wrong answers and the right answers and wrong answers. If you go um, if you go in between, it's always wrong. That's that's uh, what Walt Gold says in the speech, right? And I agree with that. It's really hard to dispute, right? And a lot of the things that are actually in objectivism uh, as a philosophy has made me very, very happy. So it's, it's really... Um, how do you put this? It's really hard to deny, right? It's like, yeah, you win in the intellectual realm, but there's some, like, I know, again, feeling, even though, like, Rand really hates that, because uh, I'll, I'll read some quotes in a bit. Um, she really hates that or, or dislikes that when people are totally uh, focused on their feeling, right? Um, but there are, uh, she, has, she doesn't accept the idea that, for example, um, that, that you base your life on things that do not exist. And that's actually a very, very good argument, right? Like if you always act on your fears or don't act on your fears, or when you um, constantly are afraid of something that you cannot perceive, you're fighting an invisible enemy, right? And you're, you will always be in an inferior position, never uh, never to experience full, uh, uh, feel <laughs> full happiness or full pride in yourself, basically to feel ashamed of the good things you're good for, right? That's, that's a lot of the time what religion stands for at least uh, institutionalized religion, right? Being like, uh, you're just a little bitch in the eyes of God. Uh, you should never feel prideful or happy. Uh, you should always be repent. You should always uh, confess for your sins. You should always feel in shame, guilt, and all that things. And I, that's such a powerful argument, right? And I agree, like, like ninety nine percent of me wants to agree with that, but it's like just a little part of me, right? And I, I know, I know, you can't do this because. 
uh, rant ourselves is like, if you do that, if you compromise just a little bit, it kind of falls apart. But then, here's the funny thing, in that in that way, partially, um, you know, just like the parallels with the Bible, if you don't fully, if you like basically have one foot into religion and one foot into rational existence, right? Um, it's going to be one or the other. So if I say I'm 99% with objectivism, um, well, even Ayn Rand will say, well, listen, you still have to fully live by it. Otherwise, if you, if you, otherwise you'll lie yourself a little bit and then you're not truly living to the ideal, right? And I'm like, oh God, this is literally the same choice, if that makes sense, you know, in terms of religion or, or uh, objectivism. I'll just call it objectivism and rationality, uh, not necessarily science, because, I don't know, science is kind of a rough term in that sense. But... My point is, is that there are actually a lot of more parallels than you might think between uh, Ms. Rant, and I really like her shit. And I, I talked about this with this uh, one INFP dude. I don't know if he's watching this. If you you are, like, hi, I typed him. Um, how he basically he has like uh, piles of Ayn Rand books, and he also just has like the Holy Bible sitting on top of it, kind of ironically. I thought it was a nice, like, you know, what is it, uh, poetic statement almost, right? Like making a photo of that. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, what he said. For example, it's like. Uh, and I f feel the same way that you can still, you know, listen or uh, read things from the Bible or study uh, things from mysticism. Well, I'm, well, I just, I'm calling it mysticism because, uh, you know, mirror effect where I mirror whatever Ayn Rand is saying in terms of writing style and also word choice. Um, I was going to say. I think you can still take things from that as tools in your life, right? So, for example, I, I use typing or MBTI, whatever you want to call it, for size of the mind, to type people, and I use it as a tool to understand people better, right? Um, but am I now, you know, now to say, oh, well, I, I stand with four sets of the mind, so now I, can, now I can't read Freud, or now I can't read the opposite, you know? Uh, now I can't uh, study uh, evolutionary biology or something. You know what I mean? Right? Like, um, I think everything should be added as a tool to make your life better and happier, which is funny because that's one of the things that objectivism stands for, right? It's like, um, which I think is a great, um, point that she makes where I do agree. Uh, like, although it may sound like I, I don't fully, um, agree with, with points from objectivism, like again, 99% of it is amazing. I love it. Right. For example, that she says, it's okay to not know things because they're not in your existence yet. How are you to blame for things that are not in your existence, right? So uh, she says, basically, or John Galt in his speech says, um, you should always, uh, you should act on what you know and and uh, towards to uh, work towards till the end of your life to expand your knowledge, right? To the full, to your full limit, to your full uh, potential uh, virtuous ideal, right? And that's so wonderful because then you can actually have, can actually, you can uh, actually accomplish your ideal, your ideal version of yourself, your uh, personal perfection, right? And I know, like, you know, people will say that with their morality of death. There's no such thing as perfection. It's like, well, if you just have a certain idea of a certain achievement that you want to, well, get, right, or you want to pursue. Uh, and you pursue it and you get it, I, I don't, I don't, how, how can you not call that perfection in a sense, right? And people say, well, maybe not in definition, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, I've also thought about it with, you know, Chase and all that about his, his morality being like, oh, life is suffering, everything is bad. It's actually, no, it's it's really your choice. And I know people will say like, oh, really, croissant? Like, you're just going to say that uh, people that are unhappy just be happy and then they're happy or people that are are, are poor, uh, if they say I'm rich, they're rich. No, I, I don't mean that in an exact way. I just mean like, if you change your mind, Right, and not just oh, change your mind. I'm 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 rich now. No, it's more if you change your thinking towards solutions. If you change your thinking to knowledge, um, you will incrementally 
like guaranteed, this is just figure grow rich 101 here, um, you will incrementally, automatically get that, right? It will take time, it will take effort, it will be a struggle, that's fine. But um, there's, oh, there's this one quote from uh, Mr. Gold that is really good. It kind of goes against like all crusader mentality, right? Uh, where is it? Um, let me see. Um, oh, here. Okay, I'll read it. Uh, Dagny, it's not that I don't suffer. It's not that I, it's that I know that the Jesus. Let me do it again. Dagny, it's not that I don't suffer. It's that I know the unimportance of suffering. I know that pain is to be fought and thrown aside, not to be accepted as part of one's soul and as a permanent scar across one's view of existence. Don't feel sorry for me. It was gone right then. So. Uh, in that, I'm almost, it's kind of funny that I'm like citing Atlas Shrugged, like kind of like it's a Bible as well, because uh, that's really what it is. It's like the Bible for rationality, in my opinion, uh, or in my view, right? But um, that quote, like, it kind of encapsulates a lot of things about the book, um, about how your life is not just suffering, your life is not just. Uh, you know, you you just drifting through it, and oh well, whatever the universe, nothing is real. I can't I can't say anything is for certain, and 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 you know, happiness that's just a fleeting goal, and I shouldn't go for that. And uh, what is it? Oh, truth is just an illusion. It's logic is just that logic. Uh, it's actually no, that's kind of the basis of your existence. And I, what I usually say, I don't know if I said it in the previous episode, but uh, you can deny existence all you want, but if I throw a brick at your face, you'll feel it, right? Um, <laughs> like. All these people that deny it, I'm like, I think I think it's so futile. I think it's uh, how do you put it? Um, you can be better. You can you can actually do something about your life, right? And you know, I, I just love little sentences that like um, somebody who's uh, who's who says, "Who am I to think?" Basically says or actually says, uh, "Who am I to live?" Right? Because to think is to live. Um, because people will say, oh, well, that's just a focus on the intellect. It's like, well, how are you going to survive life without thinking, without identification? And she used reason as a, re well, she also has a definition of, if you identify something, right, um, and, and then you identify that interrelation of it, uh, that thing that identifies it into relation is basically your consciousness. And if you identify your consciousness, then you're, well, you have an identity, right? Because you identify your own existence. And I, I know I, I thought it was so cool. Uh, <laughs> it was so cool um, that, that she that she just basically defines consciousness like that and uh, existence like that, and you can, how you can just be sure of it because you can identify things around you, right? And that's just I don't know. It's so cool. And um, well, her major critique comes from like people like Kant who basically say, well, um, there are things. There is a world. We have a certain perception. This is like the common. Uh, reasoning right now right it's like oh well there is a world uh, and i have a perception of the world right now but we are not sure of it and there's a there's a certain world outside of our existence uh, that we cannot perceive because our senses are inferior because we're not god and it's like okay but if the world does not exist um how are you to ever prove it you're just like oh well it doesn't exist. Well, basically, Ayn Rand comes to the conclusion that it's all a contradiction in that sense, right? You live if you live in a world in non-contradiction, and it's also kind of the the whole, you know, government looter or scammer or the, the lazy, you know, or the retard that uh, tries to loot from you or take anything of your virtue. That's kind of they basically. I think if I remember correctly, it's something like they're asking the conscious to, um, or they're asking you to. Um, 
bring something in non-existence from the the non-conscious which is fundamentally impossible right like how do you like you, you cannot think so you must be unconscious and you, you must not actually bring it into fruition because that's evil so you, you must be unconscious and you must also not bring it in, in existence but it must still exist so it's like it's a total contradiction uh maybe i just sound very vague and rambly right now but it's i don't know it's just I don't, it's, it's a pretty complicated thing but i want to master ayn rand's uh, philosophy i'm really explain it explain it properly to people and i'm probably going to make a video about it explaining it properly in a, in a right sense because most people even well funnily even me right right now uh can't fully explain it but there you can watch you can literally watch interviews with her there's this is one interview where she literally defines it uh so it's not impossible to define um objectivism it's more also more a lifestyle right in well in the sense that you recognize your own existence, you then you act according to your own selfish interest, right? Because you have your own value, your own personal, that's, I, I totally skipped this part, your own selfishness. People see selfishness as a bad thing. Selfishness is, well, another word for it is self-esteem, right? And it's the recognition that your life is the most valuable thing. And if you deny that, well, you're, ent you're against your own life, right? And, and um, she basically makes the argument that, well, a person that is, actually like against thinking against reason uh, that person cannot actually argue against it right because because to argue against it is to using your reason <laughs> so i was gonna say uh for example she said that uh what did she say again it's like oh uh how can you explain the futility of words right by, by speech because well, you're using words if you say that words are futile you're you're using words so you can't say anything if you uh say that something can't th that existence can't be proved you uh, acknowledge that something in the first place that that that, that that there's knowledge to be had that something can be proven and be and then and also with that you can acknowledge the existence that something can be unproven so from there you already contradict yourself right so therefore there must be existence and there must be reason and there must all those things right uh and it, it's such a just profound argument she amounts it's like there's the, you can't really go against it right and that's why people hate it so much in the book for example hate it so much because like you can't you can't really go against it um but to come into little criticism for example because uh i'm right is really for less faire uh you know capitalism where basically government is just a, fi uh, a thing that is separate from the economy and people are like well how are we going to provide for the poor how are we going to actually pay for you know uh court systems and because she says basically the government should only exist for uh protecting property laws for the army for foreign invaders and, uh, and police for internal justice right uh that's the only three functions a, a government should have and that, that's totally separate from the co from economy it's people are like well how are we going to pay for that uh, and that is the voluntary choice of the state that the state that exists right and i found that such a good solution because you can just say like oh i really care that my country is you know I don't want some foreign invader or some foreign savage to come in and just take my shit. Um, so I'm gonna, you know, give through my freedom, right? Through my access money right now, I'm gonna choose to uh, pay for the army or I'm gonna pay for the police or I'm gonna, you know, as charity, because it's your own selfish interest, right? It's not just altruism, like, oh, oh, I guess I have to give money to uh, the government. I don't really wanna do this. And it's actually like terrible for me, uh, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Cause that's what you're doing right now, right? Cause right now you, in tax money, you're giving money to the government. You're giving money to uh, all these, all the like welfare, all this shit, um, but you, you don't really wanna do it. That's altruism. Like, uh, and I, I don't know, even Chase said it, I think in the, in the chat, it was like, oh, well, altruism is bad 
bad because it can lead to totalitarianism. But that's exactly where Ayn Rand fights against. I don't know if you have, Chase, maybe you need to reread like Ayn Rand's work. She's actually totally against altruism because altruism implies sacrifice, right? Altruism uh, implies that, um, like I kind of said, if you have something, um, it's basically that you sacrifice a thing you actually value for something you don't, right? So it's like, um, for example, uh, she gave she gave an example of if a if a woman has a child, right, and he she buys she's maybe she's poor and she buys her baby milk instead of uh, well it should be breastfeeding, right, but. In this example, he buys that uh, kid milk or, or food, right? Uh, and instead of buying a hat, then that hat wasn't a sacrifice because she cares more about her baby uh, than, you know, that hat. But if she cares more about that hat uh, than her baby, right? If that's her selfish interest, uh, then it's a, a sacrifice to take care of a child. I know it sounds kind of fucked up in that example, but it, it is vice versa. It's not a sacrifice for her to not buy that hat. That's out of her personal love for a child. And I, I love this, um, the definition of love. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Well, the definition of love is recognizing uh, the highest value towards something, right? So for me, for example, I'll get into that, but basically um, that is altruism, right? Altruism is sacrificing something that you don't actually value uh, in, 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 you know, in contrast to something you actually do. So basically trading, you know, trading a dollar for 20 cents, that's the sacrifice, that's altruism, right? Because you're actually making a net loss. Very, I know it's very trade and capitalist oriented, but you should look at it that way because ultimately, you know, you, you need to look at stuff as object objectively as you can. And, um, how do you put it? Because uh, many people will, you know, have struggled with that. It's like, oh, is, is this like love? Is that is that uh, altruism? Because like, uh, you know, it's it's, it's uh, unconditional. And, I, and then I say, really, is love unconditional? Is it really, really? Um, is it is it? Shouldn't love be um, the recognition of the highest virtues you have in your you recognizing yourself or in other people um, that you aspire to be or are already identified as somebody, right? Or, or somebody already has, and through that you basically have the highest they have the highest values aka the highest love and therefore selfishly you like that person or you will you will do certain things for that person because you love them right it's not just i love you and i will do anything you say uh, but you're but you're like a piece of shit you're lazy or all that shit i just love you for the sake of loving you that that's self sacrifice that's altruism you you will not like that and frankly you know the part your partner you're with will not like that imagine you're going to a partner right and you're like oh i love you for your flaws and your weaknesses i love you for um, the terrible human being that you are like th that person will just feel offended. Like, are you fucking kidding me? You don't like me for my positive qualities? They're like, no, no, I, I like you for you being a miserable, uh, miserable person, and that I can uh, basically, uh, you can basically never thrive to be better. Um, that, that's why I love you. Because uh, despite that, I still love you. And that's a bunch of shit. Okay, that's a bunch. Of, like, I, I don't know how, how you would want that. For for example, for me, you know, I want feminine, submissive women. For example, um, I, I, if they had that value, I recognize that value, and I. Uh, love it and I will uh, do things I will out of my love towards that right so if they're like same with anything right also sexual stuff like um, you know <laughs> I don't you don't you don't ultimately out of a selfish interest right it's like if you if you make for example if you make breakfast for your girlfriend or your boyfriend right um, you'll say maybe you'll say oh well well that's kind of like altruism because like you're sacrificing your time and your efforts uh, to give him that but no no, no you're, you're really doing that out of self-interest because you love giving that to that person 
right? You love giving them that breakfast or that food, and you love his reaction, or you love his um, admiration for you, or maybe he, you know he fucks you really hard after. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then you—that's that's the trade, right? Um, that's that's not altruism though. Uh, like Ayn Rand says, basically love is like one of the most selfish things she, or the most selfish thing you can do, right? And I totally agree with that. And I think people should recognize it as such. Like you selfishly love someone or you self selfishly um, hold them, you know, treat them a certain way. It's it's not just self-sacrifice that you love someone. Any any relationship that's based on that fails or, um, or at least it's miserable uh, in the long term or maybe even the short term, right? Uh, and then I think an interviewer said, said to her like well one people most people not actually feel proper love then and she said yes sadly they don't and and it's, i have the same sentiment where i was like yeah that's kind of sad like most people can't actually properly experience love that way you know they're they're in admiration of each other's flaws and vices and only want to encourage that while you actually should be supporting and encouraging each other's virtues and and full admiration and pride of it right um also goes back to you know joe gall being the whole most ideal man and kind of always goes back to my view what an ideal man is right what the what a good man is a noble like well she defines it as a rational man but it's kind of the precursor it's like rule zero right but basically a man that uh can provide he's directional he's well put together he can um he can articulate himself he uses his mind um you know that's that's uh, that's the definition of an ideal man. Sure, i can go more into it but that's kind of what i also aspire to be right to use whatever knowledge i have to the fullest extent uh, of my ability right that's kind of what a ideal man has to be and and act upon it and act upon it uh, rightly and take full responsibility of those actions right um so because you know it's better like iron also says like um it's better to make a judge your own judgment and fail and always was a dostoevsky uh, it's better to make your own decision or your work on your own or uh what is it decide on your own judgments and fail or be wrong rather than to rely on someone else's just period right um and that's true i think everybody should act on their own judgment because judgment kind of has a negative connotation now it's like oh he's judgmental it's like in what way do you mean judgmental as in he's dismissive of other people's thoughts because that's not just that's not judgmental i find judgmental um to be more like um if a person is fully convicted of his basically his reasoning right and and fully acts upon it i think that's uh purely virtuous right in the sense that would you would especially for women uh the women listening to this would you want a man that is just like struggling and he do doesn't know where to go and he's like well what do you want uh like oh we can do this and we can do it and he's constantly compromising and he's constantly drifting and you basically have to tell him what to do it's like is that attractive to you i don't think so right at least for me when i see that in another man i'm like i don't want to be that at all i think it's 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 uh pathetic i think it's weak i think it's emasculating to see that right i think a man should ultimately take a decision and if he's wrong he'll fully admit to it he'll be like shit i fucked up shouldn't have done well should have done that that's not the correct correct attitude i'm rectifying this in the sense that i will not do it in the future anymore and now my judgment is sharpened and better right that's how you should act uh, instead of being like whoa, whoa, whoa maybe this maybe that so i don't know maybe, maybe we can compromise but maybe we can like you know we can be a little drifter about it we can like kind of do this but also kind of do this it's like how can how how does that person in in a, in a moment of crisis how, how is he how is he going to act no, it's like a burglar in your house. You're like, oh, well, should I get the gun, honey? Like, well, maybe you should stay inside. Should I go downstairs? Like, you know, having like a debate about it. It's like, motherfucker, take action. Like a man of action, right? That's what you want. Um, <laughs> I'm not gaslighting with you. I'm just like, 
<laughs> I see myself in terms of that ideal. And I, I know like from, from the women I've talked to in real life and also online and all that stuff and, and what I've read, that's what women want. They want a directional man, a well put together man, you know, a man that can protect them, that can provide, that can, uh, and people say, oh, that's so Richard. And like, you're, you're talking your social constructions, bro. It's like, maybe you should like use your fucking brain for like two seconds and you'll realize that, oh yeah, actually <laughs> all these factors play. Uh, if you just look at it philosophically, biologically, uh, what is it? Maybe even religiously, right? Um, you'll see that those things are true. Sure, uh, compete me with or like uh, dispute me with that. That's fine. I am I'm open to discussion because I think it's a very interesting topic. And I think it was a it was a lady on the previous one of the previous episodes I made. I don't know if you're watching this right now. If you are, hi. Um, a lot of ladies that watch my stuff for some reason. I guess I'm just that charming. Um, <laughs> um, she was like, oh, well, uh, I'm just afraid, for example, for losing my job and I'm, I'm totally uh, responsible or not responsible, helpless, basically. And they, they feel like, oh, they're at the full mercy of a, uh, of a man, like they're the boss, right? And I'm like, hmm, I listen to that. And I fully understand that. I fully understand that fear of like, because, um, you know, also the women I've talked to in real life and stuff, they're like, well, uh, Mr. Croissant, I want to, you know, I want to have a college education. So in, in case I get dropped by my man that I can provide for myself. And if I have children that I can, you know, provide for them. But then I'm like, well, if you choose a proper man, I find uh, that will not happen. Maybe that's me being naive or maybe that's just my own idealism. Like I don't drop my women. Okay. Uh, if I commit to a woman, especially I have children with a woman, I will not just drop her. You know, if her qualities remain the same, uh, I have made, I have made a commitment with that woman in terms of, I'm, I'm sure I'm not necessarily monogamous, but you understand what I mean, right? In the sense that I will not just drop her be like, oh, well, yeah, I got you at 20, you were hot, but like now you're like 50 and you're like not as hot anymore. And you have, you know, your body is quote unquote worn out. So now I'm, I'm not like all that emotional investment I have with you and our whole uh, history together. You know, that, that's totally eroded. I'm going to fuck another bitch and leave you with the children. I don't care about them anymore. It's like, why would I want children or relationship to begin with if I had that mentality? That's absolutely contradictory and stupid, right? Um, but I understand that fear right? where they're like, oh, well, I want to have college education, all that stuff to back myself just in case. But I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, but why don't you do that later? Why don't you just get you know, children now? Find actually a proper man because now you get the highest quality man because later in your life, you're going to just get more inferior men with a higher likelihood of them being cheaters of them or them being... Um, you know, just deceptive, all that stuff. And also you have a, a lower chance uh, of, yeah, you basically you're, you're going to get just lower quality men in general. Um, and, and just by the simple fact that you're not as attractive and you have a lower chance of getting children, even though, well, generally, actually I've, I've done research and, uh, and, uh, it's kind of more like a 50, 50 thing with, um, who want children, uh, nowadays, right? Maybe it's like more of a 55, 45, like 55 being women wanting children. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty split in that sense. It was interesting when I researched that anyway. I don't have the statistics like right now, but I, I looked into it. Okay, uh, source, trust me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I understand that fear pro uh, totally, right? Uh, in that, um, that is a, that's the thing. But I, I think I told her that ultimately, uh, if you have a proper man, a proper man that provides, he will not leave you. And I said, yeah. Is it ultimately a risk? Yes. Um, is there a chance that will leave you? Um, yeah, of course. But I find that with any man, that's the case, right? That just because you now have that security, um, I don't know, that could still happen. And I find if you uh, submit to a man in that way and also and always like pertain your virtues, wait, actually, maybe I can find the 
comment. <laughs> Don't want to uh, misquote myself. Give me a sec. As a woman, the reason why I want to work uh, is so that I can have enough money to live uh, with my need of anyone, financially at least. I know that how it feels like to obey someone that uses the fact uh, use the fact that you need them. It's humiliating even when they don't abuse that power. The fact that the fact that they could make my voice and freedom at any could take my voice and freedom at any moment, and the fact that they that I low-key make them my boss and work for them. Uh, to pay for supporting me is frustrating. I and many men and women in my life just want to live in peace. Not everyone who wants to have the power over others to, or want to be respected. I'm one of them. So I replied, I fully understand your fear, but I find uh, you shouldn't act on that. Not going back kind of with objectivism, you shouldn't just act on your fears. Uh, if you found a proper man in this, uh, in this day and age, and God knows that's an issue, uh, he will treat you right and not leave you. In return, you offer him the value of your femininity, submissiveness, and beauty. Uh, ultimately, paraphrasing what you said, you want peace. That peace will be there if uh, in total submission of the masculine force. Is it a risk? Yes. Could you be uh, left to fend for yourself uh, again? Yes. Uh, but your actions determine your future. In other words, you pick the type of man you want to be with. If he's honest, directional, and mature in his archetype, you have nothing to fear. Also, the argument of having a livelihood now and proposing, postponing children seems a little seems like a backwards morality to me. And then I said, I want to hear more about your perspective, and thank you for your comment. Um, yeah, it's kind of like that, right? Where I'm like, well, if you actually find a proper man and you know that he's loyal and all that stuff, yeah, there's always a risk that he's going to leave you. But but you want to mitigate that by, oh, well, no, I have my own personal, uh, like, you know, my own personal income. I'm like, really? Come on. I, like, who cares about your income at the end of the day? Like, women that tell me, like, oh, I care about my career. No, you fucking don't. Don't bullshit me. Like, family is like cross-culturally like globally uh, family is the most important thing to people then maybe career for men more uh, maybe like health in, in later life but family is like the the, the number one thing right um, just getting children and all that stuff like I don't I don't think most people won't deny that but apparently we have to do that in the, this day and age anyway that was like kind of a off-topic rant but let's go back to a bit of uh, Atlas Rockmore uh, it's, it's, it's a lot to handle right and this episode is all pretty long and I'm not even through everything yet um but yeah I'm, I'm gonna go into uh Dostoevsky and I've, I've started with uh the idiot right now I'm still reading the introduction because you know you know Dostoevsky gotta have a lot of introduction and history for his uh to understand his work or whatever um which is probably not that necessary in retrospect but whatever um but yeah I think and that's funny because uh Dostoevsky's favorite book apparently was uh the idiot so I'm gonna well I already read crime and punishment but um, apparently this one was his favorite but I can kind of uh, relate with that because there was a line in in Atlas Shrugged that kind of corresponded with it how we had a certain rationality when we were a child and kind of lost it right and that rational basically that the world is your I, I can probably quote it in a, in a second but basically that um, when you were a child you recognized that the world is yours uh, and for you to shape right but that basically through um through basically the understanding or the what is it the denial of existence or the the limitations that got brought upon you um you thought it was a, a world where you should be uh should fear or you should be felt uh, guilty for your virtue or, or for basically your morality and your desire to live right and then you became more bitter or resentful or you um damned life for example right uh, but if you actually fully embrace it you will feel as youthful as you were a child again 
which is true because that's how I felt because I, when I actually embraced this philosophy in my life where it's like my own selfish interest goes above all else um, and uh, I love life basically I love existence uh, as it is uh, with that mentality or like just to begin with from there you can uh, everything opens up right all, all of life becomes better uh, and I was like kind of looking for stuff like this right in terms of well call it I guess it's almost like a religious uh, desire, right? Something that encapsulates everything in your life. Um, in a sense, for example, same with books, right? If I read books about relationships, I want a book that kind of, uh, it's like a meta book or the most canonical book for all relationships, right? For Which encapsulates all of relationships. Like, for example, like The Four Sets of the Mind, right? Uh, there's not really a book on that, uh, like one book, but that knowledge, like having that knowledge, you understand human nature so much more and you understand how people just work you could understand their psyche in like 10 seconds well 10 seconds a little little quick but you know what i mean in the, the, the seconds you know their archetype you can fully explain that person and and probably their past their future whatever it is uh, to some capacity and those like meta tools almost right uh tools of titans as uh, tim ferris calls it i guess um those are so um important to me and i constantly try to find those to be more efficient as a person right to be more to have that knowledge to expand that knowledge to the greatest of my ability to be well the most ideal man right um because well for me it's always also a question of what else are you gonna do <laughs> like <laughs> You know, like so, so some people are like, oh, well, I go, I'm just uh, drifting through life and, you know, just argue this and that. And I'm like, what the fuck, bro? Um, and uh, there's also a thing that uh, Rand says, right? Like, again, the, the person that disputes words, she also said that, well, the only thing that person can do uh, who disputes reason and logical things uh, is to just shut up and die. And that sounds, maybe that sounds a little dramatic, but it's true because if you really reject all of your reason, all of your thinking capabilities, well, you can't argue against it and you can't act against it because to act, you know, you need for act, to act, you need to think first, uh, basically. And uh, if you, if you want to, you can't, well, you can't dispute it, basically. So you will just die. You won't eat anymore. You won't do anything like that because in order to take an action, you have to identify something. You have to, you know, do anything um, in order to make it happen. But if you don't, well, you just shut up and die. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's why she also comes to the conclusion that the person that denies the mind denies his life, right? Uh, which is pretty interesting. Anyway, I'm going to see if I can find some quotes that I liked. Yeah, like uh, I was thinking actually of doing uh, kind of jokingly, semi-jokingly to make a... Um, <laughs> an, a <laughs> an ASMR series where, for example, I do the whole John Cold speech, but then a, then a very sexy, uh, arousing, pleasurable voice uh, close to the mic with uh, proper uh, sound isolation, XLR mic. Um, <laughs> I, I was thinking of doing that. I think people would probably uh, enjoy that. Let's see, what are some of my favorite quotes? Because also, first, when well, the first time I read, uh, or the first parts from Atlas Shrugged, and I read it, read. Also, like Francisco uh, Doconia, fantastic character. I love him. Because when you first read him, you're like, oh, Francisco is probably just, just, you know, just like everybody else thinks. Like, oh, he's just like this playboy. You know, he's just this uh, manipulating asshole. But then he actually shows how passionate he is and actually he cares and all those things. That's, I, just, I don't know. I thought it was great. Um, and he's just like, the first time when I saw Francisco, I was like, oh, this guy's a bit arrogant. You know, he's self-centered, all that. But then I thought, actually, this guy has the full, the more I got into objectivism, the more I realized, why am I damning this guy? He's literally just a competent man. Why am I, like, why am I contempting something that's good? That makes no sense. Um, anyway, let me see. Um, 
Oh, it is a great quote. But in fact, a man's sexual choice is the result and the sum of his uh, fundamental convictions. Tell me what a man finds sexually attractive, and I will tell you his entire life philosophy. Show me the, show me the woman who sleeps with the man. So, sorry. Give me a sec. Show me the woman he sleeps with, and I will tell you the validation of himself. A man who is proudly certain of his value will want like, the highest. <laughs> Jesus. A man who is proudly certain of his value will will want the highest value woman he can find. He does not seek to gain his uh, value. He se he seeks to express it. That's such a mm, just mm, perfect. Um, let me see. Um, uh, let me see. Oh, yeah, this, this is also great. Uh, he looked at the long silhouette, the curves of the blast furnace are standing like triumphal arches. The stone, the stone stacks, yeah, the stone stacks rising like a solemn conolade, conolade? I don't know that word, uh, along with the avenue of honor in, in an imperial city, or yeah, imperial city, the bridges hanging like garlands, garlands? Uh, the cranes saluting, oh god, there, there's something fucked up in the... What is it? Hi you, you can't see what I'm seeing right now, but, but lances, I guess. Uh, the smoke waving uh, slowly like flags. Uh, the sight broke. The sight broke the stillness within him, and he smiled in greeting. Uh, let me see. For it was the smile of happiness, I think, of love, of dedication. He never loved his mills as he did in this moment. That. Uh, oh God! I, I, I hope you don't hear hear that Discord no notification just now. Uh, as he did in that moment, for seeing them by an act of his own vision, uh, cleared. Let me see. Okay, so I copied this from a uh, EPUB, right? And some like letters got fucked up, so I have to like translate it real time. Um, cleared, cleared out of his uh, own code of values or made cleared from all but his own code of moral values, in a luminous reality held that held no contradiction. He was, he was seeing the reason of his love. The mills were, give me a sec, were an achievement of his mind, devoted to his enjoyment of existence, erected in a rational world to deal with rational men. If those men had vanished in that world, uh, if that world was gone, if the mills had ceased to serve his values, then the mills would be... Um, only a pile of dead scrap to be left to crumble to the sooner or later uh, to be left not as an act of reason uh, to be left not as an act of treason but as an act of loyalty to their actual meaning and I, I just love that where basically if, if not the, the virtue or the intention or that originally stood for uh, vanishes then that thing will no, have no longer any value right I think that's great um, let me see what are some other great quotes um, I didn't. <laughs> I know I just butchered that quote. Probably I don't care. Um, uh, let me see. I think it's from the John Gold speech. Um, as there can be no ceaseless wealth, so can there be no ceaseless love or any sort of ceaseless emotion. An emo. Oh, yeah, this, this is great. An emotion is a response to a fact of reality, an estimate dedicated by your standards. To love is to value. The man who tells you that it's that it's possible to value without values, to love without without those whom you uh huh. To love those whom you pray, appraise as worthless is the man who tells you that it's possible to grow rich by consuming without producing, and that paper money is as valuable as gold. <laughs> so that's fucking great. Um, 
Oh, this, oh, this is also great. Uh, we we know in quotes we know that we know nothing. Uh, they chatter, blanking out the fact that they are cl claiming knowledge. I, I, even that I, this I also uh, critiqued uh, Chase for in the, in the interview with him, right? Where I'm like, well, if you pronounce that you know nothing, you are pronouncing a certain knowledge, so you're contradicting yourself. Like, don't be so full of shit, right? Uh, like it's it's just like a humble brag, like oh, like I'm better than these usual intellectuals who know things. Like I am such an intellectual that I don't know anything. It's like okay, how does that make sense? Um, uh, then they say there are no absolutes. They chatter, blanking out the fact that are utter they're uttering an absolute. Uh, they cannot, you cannot prove that you exist or that you're conscious. They chatter, blanking out the oh Jesus, blanking out the fact that proof presumes existence. Um, or presupposes existence, consciousness, and a, com a complex chain of knowledge. The existence of something to know, um, of a consciousness able to know it, and the knowledge uh, that has teemed to distinguish, or, or seemed, teemed? It says teemed right here, but probably something maybe went wrong with copying. Uh, teemed to distinguish between such concepts, such as proved and unproved. So that's another, that's kind of what I talked about, right? Uh, let me see. Um, oh, this, this is just like a Gen Z thing that I, I, I found. Uh, from, then on, from then on, afraid to think, uh, he, is, he is left at the mercy of unidentified feelings. His feelings become his only guide, his only remnant of personal identity. He clings to it with a ferocious possessiveness. And whatever thinking he does is devoted to the struggle to hiding from himself that the nature of his feelings is terror. I'm like, that's so good. Like, cause you know, so many people right now, they're like, you know, the whole uh, LGBT stuff, for example, it's like, they're so, so afraid um, to basically be disproven in terms of reality. And any thinking they do is just devoted towards uh, avoiding their own fear that, oh God, I don't have actually anything to stand on or any identity to begin with. Um, let me see. Uh, oh yeah. Do not say that you're afraid to trust your mind because you know so little. Are you safer in surrendering to the mystics and disregarding that little that you know? Live and act with the limit of knowledge, uh, with the limit of your knowledge and keep expanding it to the rest of your life. Redeem your mind from the hack shops of authority, hawk shops, hawk shops uh, of authority. Accept the fact that you're, what, what is that, arc? <laughs> um, I think that's some. Oh, that you are, I think. Accept the fact that you're not omnis uh, omniscient, but playing a zombie will not give you omniscience. That that your mind is valuable, valuable uh, but becoming mindless will not make it invaluable. Uh, that an error made on your own is safer than 10 truths accepted on faith, because the first leaves you by a means to correct it, but the second destroys your cap capacity to distinguish from truth from error. Uh, in place of your dreams of an omniscient automaton, accept the fact that any knowledge man acquires is acquired by his own will and effort, and that, and that that is his distinction in the universe. That is his nature, his morality, his glory. Like, this this woman, <laughs> I love her, her writing. Uh, let me see. I think this, uh, this is a long one, but uh, yeah, I'm just going to read this 
this is a long one, I'll just end, end, end with the quotes with this. Accept uh, the fact that the achievement of your happiness is the only moral purpose of your life, and that happiness, not pain or mindless self-indulgence, is the proof of your moral integrity, since it is the proof and the result of your loyalty to the achievement of your values. Happiness was a responsibility you dreaded. It required the kind of rational discipline you did not value yourself enough to assume. And the ancient stillness of your days is a monument to your evasion of the knowledge that there is no moral substitute for happiness, that there is no more despicable coward than the man who deserted the battle of his joy, fearing, fearing his right to... Fearing, fearing to assert his right to existence, lacking the courage and the morality to a life of a bird or a flower reaching for the sun. Uh, discard the protective rags that of the, of that vice which is called which which you called a virtue, humility. Learn to value yourself, which means to fight for your. Yeah, to fight for your happiness. And then when you learn that pride is the sum of all virtues, you'll learn to live like a man. <laughs> that's, that's the first part. Second part. <laughs> as a basic step of uh, self-esteem, learn to treat treat as the mark of a cannibal... Huh? Learn to treat as the mark of a cannibal any man who demands for your help. To demand it... As, um, to demand it is to claim that your life is proper, his property. And loathsome as such claim may be, there's something still more loathsome, your agreement. Do you ask, uh, do you ask, uh, Jesus, do you ask, do you ever ask, Jesus, do you ask if it's ever proper to help another man? No, if he claims uh, it is his right and as a moral duty that you owe him. Yes, if such uh, is your own desire based on your own selfish pleasure in the in the value of his person and his struggle. Suffering as such is not a value. Only a man fighting against suffering is. Take notes uh, and NTPs. Uh, if you choose to help a man who suffers, do it only on the ground of his virtues, of his fight to recover, of his rational record, or of the fact that he suffers unjustly. Uh, then your action is still a trade, and his virtue is the payment for your help. But a man who has no virtues, to help him on the ground of his suffering as such, to accept his faults, his need, as a claim, is to accept a mortgage of a life, uh, a mortgage of a zero, <laughs> Jesus, is to accept the mortgage of a zero on your values. A man who has no virtues is a hater of existence, who acts on the premise of death. To help him is to sanction his evils and to support his career of destruction. Be it only a penny you will not miss, or a kindly smile he has not earned. A tribute to zero, to a zero, is treason to life and to all those who struggle to maintain it. Is it, is it of such pennies and smiles that the desolation? Oh, it is of such pennies and smiles that the desolation of your world is made. Um, I mean, I could go on and do the whole speech. I'll probably do that in the future in a nice ASMR voice and pro properly recorded. Um, but. I find, I don't know, I, I find this whole novel to be amazing. I think uh, still my favorite novel. And again, it has a lot of comparison to, comparisons to religion, right? And I'm going to go into Dostoevsky and really try to find like, well, is there really an answer? I don't know if there's really an answer to it. But, yeah, you know, as Ayn Rand also says, it's to expand your knowledge. It's, it's to expand your uh, to act upon what you know, right? So I don't, I do not know if uh, religion is yet to be fully um, dispunched from my brain and just be discarded. Because 
uh, I did it in the past, right, where I was just full rational atheist, uh, but it was lacking something. Although I would say that this mentality actually doesn't make me feel unhappy. It actually makes me feel more happy, which is a first for me and, and kind of amazing that I actually can be objective and rational um, without sacrificing my happiness, right? Um, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, what did I also write down? Because I have a couple notes here, because there's a lot of information this episode. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm very excited to read Dostoevsky and uh, see what he, he has to say about the subject, because he was just in the same way that I am right now. He was kind of torn between these problems, right? I'm, I'm kind of curious what Dostoevsky's type actually is. Um, I mean, my, my bias says something like INFJ or ENTJ, INTJ, something like that. Probably an intuitive. Uh, maybe not, but well, it, it does seem like a movement type. Uh, if, I don't know if you've ever seen his notes, but they're pretty goddamn chaotic. Um, I mean, I've seen about Nietzsche or something, right? I'm pretty excited about reading him, but I still have to read, read a lot of philosophy before I get into Nietzsche. Um, maybe I'll skip a couple. I don't know. Um, and he, not, not in terms of Nietzsche, but like the working up to it, right? Because I really want to read Nietzsche. Um, let me see. Um, yeah, but but you know the foolish childish nature. I don't know what the quote exactly was in the, in the book, but that's, the foolish childish nature is really something that I um, strive to be right now, right? Not, not a t total fool, but like um, it's it's not the fool of like oh I'm just an idiot or something. It's more like just having a total. Um, enjoyment and love towards everything in life and not not in terms of like like a you know a weird, like having an orgy with life itself where you're just like oh every person i meet i'm totally in love with not like that it's just i love my exi existence and the things i value in it right i love my life for all the things that i'm manifesting in it right um th that's kind of what it is and i don't know if the the full window csc's novel because i haven't actually read it yet um corresponds with this philosophy but it sounds similar right um yeah, and it's also kind of, you know, uh, the fool in Dostoevsky's novels kind of, he, he compares it also to, you know, like a Christ figure who is just um, always truthful and always kind of in, almost naive, right? But not in a child, childlike is, a, is the right way to describe it, I guess. Because um, that, that's, you know, that, that's also that quote, quote from, uh, what is it, Matthew 18, 1 to 4 or something. That's the first Bible verse I've like quoted from memory probably. Um, and I'm, I have a video on it actually I quoted there uh, that's, that's, coming up in the future um but it's basically you must be uh must take the position of a, of a child right i hate like the lowly uh maybe that's just a mistranslation but yeah i think the the brain of a child because even ayn rand says this where like if you take the position of a child in terms of um <laughs> how to explain this um if you if you have that total rationality that the world is yours to make right i mean i, I can quote quote the last uh sentences of the speech right like that the world is yours uh, it's real it exists it's yours um because it is the source to of all your happiness glory and and whatever it's to be um that is no you know that still has again you have you still have a certain childlike um appreciation of the world because after that it basically got beat out of you that you how do you put this i'm struggling with this idea because it's very complicated um that got beat out of you that you um cannot be rational you cannot act upon what you truly want right um and that over time, and actually, if you recapture that and basically take that position again as a child, like a childlike figure, um, well, that's kind of what resembles, you know, somebody like John Galt. Only now you have more knowledge, you have more competence, but you still have the childlike curiosity and the childlike uh, desire for more wealth, the, the childlike desire for more freedom, right? And because the world is yours, that's kind of how you see it as a child, right? And everything is wonder because everything is yours for the taking. 
and um, both, uh, you know, Prince, I don't know what the prince's name is yet, but basically that prince and the idiot, uh, John Galt and, you know, Jesus Christ, they also, all three of them have that same quality, I guess, uh, if I'm trying to make sense of this. Um, anyway, that's a, that's a long, long rant. Uh, let me see, a rant uh, subject, I would call it. Um, yeah, and also just the broadening of your or your perception, right? Because in this whole like reading Atlas Shrugged, I mean, it was just one book, but it, it changed my. It feel it feels like I, like how to explain this? Like I sometimes don't realize how how little time has passed when I have done something, right? Because in my brain it feels like I've made so much change and like my uh, perspective is so broadened right now uh, just by reading one like intellectually heavy book. I'm like, damn, if I that really excites you and makes me really happy, right? Because I'm like, damn, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't even read Nietzsche. I haven't even read uh, Dostoevsky. I haven't read all of Jung yet. Like, there's so much that can just expand my mind to this. And also, my appreciation of understanding. And I'm like, oh well, uh, uh, it's you know, it's all boring or shit like that. Or oh well, I understand every intellectual idea. I still have to think about it. But for me to be to understand it and also in time maybe uh, teach it to other people, right? I think that's that's it gives me such immense joy uh, to do that right and i'm gonna keep doing it of course because you know you should do the things that make you happy of course um and and you know because it's virtuous to be you know because people call me wise and, and smart and intellectual and all that shit um i don't necessarily perceive myself that way i'm just like a child i'm just very curious like I, in, since childhood um well it's kind of got funnily enough um like school and institutions like that people have um have, have brought me away from my desire for knowledge right because it was thought like oh, i was nerdy or whatever the fuck or uh basically I, I got less desire the more i was actually forced to uh get informed about things i don't give a shit about right um because uh, funnily enough i did in my childhood i did actually um inform myself about chemistry, about uh, about history, about physics, uh, so much so that when the first time I interacted with it uh, in a school matter, I was like, oh, this is like basic shit. Like I already know this. Like, so I basically had a head start uh, for, for a period, right? Because um, I already knew it, but there were just certain things that I learned then in in that subject, I just didn't give a fuck about. And, and uh, you know, Ayn Rand says the same thing, like a, a man who has like an obsessive um, passion with one thing, um, she she determines that more as the uh, ideal man, right? In the sense that if he he can go fully into something, maybe he's not proper in the social sciences, but who cares? Like if he's totally like an A plus and a total obsessive with one thing, right? Why would you want a man who's like spread out and has bees all around? Who cares? Right? It's like oh well, he's great in uh, sociology, he's great in history, he's great. Like okay, sure, that those are virtues, but I, I'm, I'm more to say you want one more concentrated excellence upon one thing, right? Like Francisco, right? He has a he's the best. Uh, industrialist in his, you know, copper industry. Uh, Dekin Tegard is a uh, is the best woman for the railroad, right? You want the most competent and best people to do a certain occupation or have a certain sector. Well, Crystal, doesn't that bring in monopoly? Well, no, because in a free market, monopolies never persist. It's only when government interference exists, that's when monopolies can actually persist within a society, right? There's always somebody, you'll always um, you'll always be replaced. There's always someone smarter or somebody more competent that could come along and take your place. In a free economy, that happens, right? Because you're in a well, again, because it's a free market, you let you can let whatever go that is. People will go to the most um, the most competent, the the best price to the uh, most competent person. They will go to that to go to him uh, to get that product or service, right? So a monopoly can't persist in that sense. Like, sure, maybe you have dominance upon a market, but what's wrong with that? Wouldn't you want the best product, right? Wouldn't you want the smartest and best person to sell you that product? Well, no, because he has no right to it, really, does he? 
uh, like he's smart he's competent he made this whole business by himself or uh, maybe he inherited it but you know it's not your right to inherit his wealth or inherit his fortunes inherit his um what is it goods you have no right to that right that that's up to the person that created and owns that to get like if the if a father says uh here son here's all my you know my whole industry that i built because i want to give it to you selfishly because i want to give my legacy to you as a selfish love towards you um who are you to, to say to come and be like uh, actually no he has no right to that i can have that or you must liquidate this all so people can have more like although like incompetent people can basically rise up uh no you have no right to it right and um, if you can somehow in your lifetime uh, i'll compete that which you can if you if you are a proper competent man um you can compete with that and you can um in time right uh you can overthrow that or well, overthrow i hate the word overthrowing that but you can um basically become the more the more successful man in the business right um i see no problem with that um, it's, again it's only when interference uh, comes in that's where you get problems um anyway there are so many criticisms with uh the make people can make with capitalism but i think if capitalism is um in the most loose form and disconnected from um government because people also say, also say well it was one it was one line from iron red that really uh, stuck out to me and uh, it kind of made me realize even though it was so simple which you will have a lot of times when you read iron rand um Somebody said, like, well, how are you going to pay for hospitals and roads and, and all these things? And, and she says, um, how do you think the government pays for all those things? It's like, well, I, <laughs> it's like, yeah, and I didn't realize, oh, yeah, people could just privately buy that, right? Because maybe you look, at least I had a bit of a stupid idea that, yeah, if you look at a hospital, maybe that's like a couple million bucks or something, right? But if you let people just have individual sovereignty, uh, they can just donate, um out of charity right of their own choice um towards a hospital in their in their neighborhood a private hospital and be like okay i want to i want to have a hospital i'm gonna donate like i'm a millionaire i have a successful business because you know i can thrive in the in the way that i want um uh i, I i'll donate a million bucks to that hospital because i want if, if my children get sick or something i want to have like uh, for also for myself purely selfishly i want i want to have a hospital to pe for people to take care of me and if it's a hospital that i don't like i'm not gonna donate to it right um because now i you know in many especially in western countries you have to like uh give pay taxes to like medicine that's basically killing you it's like yeah i have to pay like 120 120,000 bucks for for a doctor a dietitian who uh, actually recommends you a diet which will kill you it's like well, well that's kind of contradictory i don't support things that are contradictory uh no fuck off um yeah so you know and she says yeah i believe in private roads private hospitals private everything and i'm like that's actually a pretty great way to look at it. Everything should, can be private, can be your own property. Um, sure, you will have like um, little nuances, like, okay, what do you do with like owning lands and stuff like that? But they're just, you know, sure, those are nuances and I'm not that informed about it, so I can't make a judgment about it. But um, I think generally speaking, those things can be separate, right? The, the, those little nuances, they can definitely, they're definitely, it was this one book actually she mentioned who goes very in detail about it, how property, like land and uh, all those things. And I haven't actually read all of Ayn Rand yet, um, but I will. And oh, I'll probably have a more comprehensive understanding of her as a person, right? Which I'm really excited about because I, I love I love her philosophy. She's incredibly intelligent. She's an extremely virtuous woman. And I think she's extremely misunderstood by many people and 
I think everybody should give her a go. Everybody should read Atlas Shrugged. Uh, everybody should keep an open mind when read it. It's not even that uh, like dense or something. Like, oh my god, I can't believe she's saying that I have like a right to exist. Like, whoa. Um, no, she's actually saying just very uh, common sense things. But it can be a little off-putting, even for me as an ITJ, because, you know, fellow ITJ, uh, sometimes her attitude of like, how she writes it, like, uh, oh, she was feeling an emotion, like very... She's very objectively describing the emotion, but she's describing, like, for her, again, an emotion is an effect towards one action, towards one's actions she uh, have committed, right? Or towards a certain situation. It's not just something like, oh, she was just sitting and contemplating on her emotions. It's like, well, as, as Dagny says a lot of the time, you don't have time to, she didn't have time to be emotional, right? Even though she has FI inferior. You know, also like the other types, I can quickly go into that. Uh, I think Hank created as an ETP. I think Francisco's either an ESFP or an ITJ. Uh, John Galt is, I think, an ETJ. Maybe he's an ETP. I don't know. They're all NTs, yeah, in my view, almost. Um, I think J James Taggart. I was, I was struggling between ISTJ or like INFJ, something like that. Um, what's another thing? Um, what are some other characters? Well, most of the most of the intellectuals are NFs. I couldn't necessarily determine all their types because I was kind of just I was for once I could disconnect personality type from what I was reading, which is pretty great. Because um, you know, I, I automatically everything I, I see or read, I automatically attach personality types to it because it's I can't help it, right? But with this, I could, could kind of disconnect it. Besides the, the people that were like obviously you know ETJs, for example. Um, but yeah, the basically the, the the industrialists are NTs, right? And the scientists are also NTs. Uh, well, NTJs are more like industrialists, right? Um, and then and NTPs are the scientists. Then you have the luchers and the the, the moochers and all that shit. Those are like I guess SJs and SPs. I guess SJs are also kind of working men, um, but not the, not like the industrialists, the you know the business owners or businessmen, more like the average worker. Um, yeah. So uh, Rand usually likes the. NTJs, the NTPs, and the, the SJs, right? But she has a valiant distaste for like the SPs and the, the NFs, right? The Basically the people that steal from you or the people that uh, demand that you give them out of social need, out of uh, how, how people are always interrelated and not individually based, for example. That's um, a thing she's like valiantly distaste. Also just the, well, she calls them savages, right? But that's basically like SPs in general. Uh, that's kind of what she's critiquing, right? So, but it's kind of funny how I you could still see some sort of semblance of quadras in her thinking, uh, although it's a little more nuanced and not exactly four, because I don't believe, uh, you know, contrary to, to another person, that everything is uh, 16 types or 16 zodiacs or 16 uh, virtues and vices or 16, you know, etc. Like, come on, bro, not everything is 16 things. I know you're a little worldview determines that and you're trying to find more things that fit that description but not everything fits that description okay life is pretty complicated and that's not to say that you can't have knowledge or see patterns but you know what i mean it, it can come across as pretty biased if you do that with everything um sounds like you're making shit up for just to fit a you know a certain ideal anyway um let me see so yeah i, I really recommend Atlas shrugged uh, I'm really excited for reading Dostoevsky and other intellectual writers. I hope everybody... I'm, I'm not finished with the episode, by the way, but I hope everybody enjoyed that little part. Um, I'm really passionate about this book and about objectivism. I think everybody should get informed about it. Uh, I want to discuss it with you guys, so leave a comment about it. I, I, I don't know. I, I fucking love it, okay? I, I love life. Uh, me, uh, the great JSC, I love life. And I am valiantly... Um, 
<laughs> declaring my love for it right now. I love life. I love existence. And uh, I, I love beauty. I love femininity. Uh, there's so many things I love. There's so many things to do. Um, and I don't, I can't understand how anyone would not want to, who's not excited right now to just simply exist, right? Um, and maybe that sounds so del delusionally naive and optimistic and idiotic. I don't care. I feel it and I uh, I think it and I'm feeling it. I see the effects of it and uh, I simply love life. That's, uh, I know, very positive. Everybody's hearts are warmed right now with my FI child. Uh, <laughs> it's all great. Uh, I, I just, ultimately, I want positivity, right? Ultimately, it's, I think Richard Kent said that he said pretty uh, smartly. He said in the previous episode, it's um, it's easier to be pessimistic or to be uh, cynical, right? That's the easy way. Uh, that's the lazy way. It's actually the the between optimistic is actually the struggle and the hard thing, the courageous thing to do, right? Which is also actually what what objectivism stands for in a way. But anyway, yes, I, the JC, love life. I'm uh, saying it right here. I love being a man. I take pride in it and I take pride in my life. Okay, I take my pride in my love for life. There you go. I declared it to everybody. <laughs> well, it's funny, right? Because a couple days later, after I read it, I kind of had like, I had a really weird dream, uh, almost contradictory because it was semi-spiritual. Uh, and when I woke up, I'm like, I know it's going to sound a little cringe, but I was like, okay, I will now be like John Coles. I will now strive to be the ideal man. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fully strive to be the most ideal man that I could possibly be. And um, yes, that, that will be my that will be my goal for my life. Um, and I think there's, again, what is that? What else is there to do? <laughs> right? Um, anyway, let me see. Um... Oh yeah, any first. I, I don't know if I could talk talk about my intellectual. Uh, what is it? Capacity is kind of running out uh, as we speak. Um, but it's fine. I'll talk about this, and I'll talk about it more in a, in a later video. I'll talk about it briefly. So, um, any versus SH attraction. It's, it's a pretty interesting topic. I talked about it a bit with other people in that. Um, any attraction is very different from SE attraction because um, I was talking to this one ETP and she was like, well, you know, there are certain attractions between the genders, for example, um, that are for men and women that can both they can both utilize it regardless of gender uh, or regardless of uh, personality. I don't necessarily think that, but I, I think there's definitely a difference between uh, any SI people and SE and I attraction or uh, hotness, right? Well, being hot is more like an SE thing, right? Or sexy is more of an SE thing. Well, like alluring and um, I guess maybe fem feminine, submissive, and uh, not promiscuous, that's not the right word. Uh, alluring, seductive, I guess that's the right word. Um, like the desired, you know, the, the desire to desire, I suppose. I don't know what the word for it is. Desirable. Um, that's something that NE has. It's, it's a very interesting dynamic, and I really want to go into it more uh, and see if there's any information on it, because um, I'll just explain it in a personal account, I guess. Like, well, <laughs> let's just say I'm a pretty good-looking guy, um, and I understand that, and I, when I see other... Um, how do I put it? When I see other ITJs or ESFPs, right, like Wayfarers mostly, um, they have... Like how they look, they have a very SE beauty, right? It's very symmetrical. It's very, um, how do you put it? You know, they're tall. They have the objective values that make somebody attractive, quote unquote. Um, but it's a different type of attraction, right? Like so those people are hot. Those people are sexy. Those people are models, right? Like at a model, well, I didn't even realize this until recently. A model is literally just, oh, you're like, a basic sketch what a, what a human should be like, like an ideal human should be like, right? In terms of shape. Um, but 
something about any attraction or any SI attraction is different in a sense that they maybe they're not the best looking in terms of uh, having like an objective, you know, SE hotness or expression. It's more like maybe they have a sort of cuteness, a certain uh, uniqueness to them, right? I don't want to sound cringy with this, like, oh, it's all our personality. It's like, no, no, it's it's still in their in their face, right? Maybe they have like a certain, well, I, I noticed this in any users. Most any users have like very open eyes, right? Like very, uh, almost like puppy-like eyes. And NI users, especially NTJs, because I have them, have like very penetrating, very intense eyes, uh, <laughs> right? That, that penetrate fully into those any eyes and they can look in, in their soul. That's when, you know, that's why when you, any hero or any parent sees an INTJ or an ATJ or something like that, or just an NI hero or NI parent, like stare at them directly and intently, um, they get like, they get very intimidated, right? Because it's like they're seeing their full nakedness. They're, but it's like they're naked when they're watching like that, right? But they're only looking at their, at their eyes. Um, and that's a very interesting attraction to it, right? And because are like bigger eyes in that sense, like puppy eyes, are those necessarily more attractive for, for, for females, for example? Is that true? Um, and also for men, because sometimes I see the men, it's also kind of attractive, right? Or they have a certain more uh, sort of feminine uh, appearance to them. And, but it's not necessarily because maybe they have a more round face, face, right? But that's not like the, you know, the INTJ sharp features, like proper nose, nice jawline structure, all that that you even see in uh, female models right now, right? It's it's a different, like, round, there's a roundness to it, there's an openness to it, there's a certain, uh, maybe na naivete to it, right? Maybe the childlike feature, okay. I'm not gonna make it, you know what I mean, right? Like a very innocent, cute, adorable look, that's what I mean, not like to, not to make this all fucking weird. Um, you know what I mean, right? It's like, uh, you know, my best example is something like uh, Luna Lovegood, right? In terms of an archetype, not, not in terms of it being a fucking young child, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I hate that I have to preface it in this day and age, it's retarded. Um, you know what I mean? Like that that pure innocence to the world. And, and that's something uh, somebody like me really uh, focus into. It's like, that that's the person, right? A person with those uh, cute features. Um, I still like beauty, right? I still like a good body. I still like, you know, if somebody's healthy. I'm still a man, but it's a different type of attraction. And I'm gonna make a, I'm, I'm gonna analyze it a bit more and give a more. I'm gonna write a script about it because this is just improvised in a rough draft, I guess. Um, but that's a very interesting distinction, right? Because sometimes uh, MPs will ask me like, oh, well, how I, how how could it be more attractive to people? And you know, for for. Uh, for SE women, that's very very easy, right? In terms of like, oh, just wear makeup, uh, you know, lose some weight, and, and you know, SI inferiors will flock to you. That's 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 no problem. Um, but for any user, it's kind of different, right? It's like, well, you, you have to just basically stand out in a way, um, look very tolerable, agree, uh, agreeable in your just in your appearance, right? In your clothing, very elegant. Like if I see an elegantly dressed woman just standing by herself and she's looking just around her room very innocently, like smiling and all that stuff, I'm instantly going into that, especially if so those like naive NEIs, I'm instantly going just, I initiate it, right? Because that's the difference uh, or like the difficulty is that NI users, especially NI user men, should initiate with their uh, NI user uh, women. That's just how it is. And frankly, you know, they prefer it and they like it. And also, the any user likes it because it's like, oh, this person really wants me, and like, uh, you know, uh, if it's a crusader, oh, he really values me, and like, he thinks I'm, I'm well, he thinks, well, kind of depends on the crusader, but uh, like, he thinks I'm great and all that, and uh, he wants to give me a comfortable experience, and he's so ambitious, and I'm like, I'm gonna be so wet right now, oh my god, he's seducing me. I, that's kind of their their mindset, right? Um, <laughs> at least that's how it goes with me usually. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting, interesting distinction. So I, I wanted to discuss that a little bit. I don't know. Let me let me know about that in the in the comments if you actually observed that difference. Um, let me see. 
Um, yeah, I, I guess I want to just close because we're nearly two hours here. Jesus Christ. I thought it was just going to be one hour, but nope. Uh, well, actually, I've, maybe if I actually knew it was going to be two hours, whatever. Um, to close it off, I want to I want to express some gratefulness, some gratefulness towards my life, towards the people in my Discord, even though you guys should be more active, you little pussies. Uh, <laughs> I'm very grateful for my channel is going, my success uh, currently, and it will only increase. I think it's inevitable. I think that um, I, I hold a certain competence. I've been given certain gifts in my life, and I'm going to use it to the full capacity. And I think everybody else should as well. I think everybody has a right to be happy. Everybody has a right to exist. Um, what's some other things? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'm thankful for reading this book. I think it's a masterpiece. I've, I'm going to read more masterpieces like this. And if my life still, uh, which it will, because I choose to do it, uh, we'll have more of these, I'm going to call it miracles, um, but basically instances and occurrences uh, I am so excited and I'm so happy uh, with my existence and I wish everybody everybody else that's listening to it the same and I think everybody should work towards that and whatever your whatever stage you are in life no just acknowledging to yourself that you have a right to exist and a right to be happy will hopefully put you in the same spot as I am right now or even further right um, that is not to say that I'm in the most ultimate again I don't proclaim my I just have my own personal happiness right now and that's what I want you to strive for right your own personal choices your own personal well purpose right uh, that's what I want people to strive for and I want to see that and I want to see the actions you take in that and I want to read about it so I can because I take selfish pleasure in it people should be selfish okay people should be okay with inequality people should be um determined to give themselves their own life the, the thing that's most important to you right the thing that because if it's not you would kill yourself right um the things that the thing that's most important to you the full uh consideration attention and love it deserves right and <laughs> i'm grateful for all the things that have been going on with me and that, that is not just a miracle that didn't just happen that happened out of my own effort out of my own mind and so can you okay i don't want to sound like a motivational speaker but that's just the reality of the situation, right? Put your, if you put your mind to it, you actually achieve your happiness. I mean, <laughs> no, I don't want to title it this episode this, like that because it sounds a lot like the previous episode, but I could title it that. Um, anyway, um, I want to thank everybody for listening to it. Uh, this episode, uh, a little bit of a longer one. If you stuck through it, uh, I love you. Uh, you're great. Um, if you want to help me even more or support me even more, you know, let's let's pick a trade. Yeah, I give you this information. You share the video, trade offer. Um, you share the video, leave a comment, let me know what you think. Uh, you know, like it, um, whatever. I want to just hear what people think, especially. Uh, subscribe to see more, see more slanders, see more future content I'm going to make, more philosophical and literature discussions, uh, follow my journey, uh, and, and our, maybe our, uh, what is it, reciprocal journey uh, towards our own happiness and purpose in life. Um, or if you just want to observe me out of selfish pleasure, do that, right? But yeah, well, you kind of kind of have to subscribe to, you know, <laughs> get notified about it and be reminded because people forget things. Anyway, that's a very long-winded way of saying subscribe and support me. Um, yeah, join the Discord. Um, I, I'm trying to get people more active, and that's not like saying it's totally valueless. You're valueless? No. Um, but join the Discord. Uh, you know, appreciate it. And um, yeah, I'm going to be working on my website. Uh, we'll plug in the shit out of that like later. Um, so anything else? Oh, yeah, download the reading list because, uh, you know, that's if you want to know what I'm going to read or, uh, 
you know the sources or why you should where you should get them um you can also request the books online actually you know between me and you i can just give it to you for free but you know that's our little secret okay uh <laughs> anyway that's enough um i want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in and i'll see everybody in the next one bye bye fuck bitches get money